Good morning. I'm Paul Valley. He's Zach Goodman. This is the Battle Round coming to you live from the Press Box Studios here in Baltimore. It's a gloomy Saturday morning. A little chilly outside, but yeah, but yeah. It, it, it's today feels like fall. Yes, it does. This is it the does. first time to me that it's felt like fall. Really? I yeah. feel like it's felt like fall like for two nah, weeks. No, man. It's been in the 70s almost every day. The 70s, honestly, is fine with me. I love 70s weather. I, I, 60, I do, 60, 70s I, weather is the best. I do, the best. T- I do, too. Today, it's overcast. There's soccer tournaments going <laughs> on. The leaves The leaves yeah. are finally... It, it's literally two days ago. Zach and I were out playing golf, and mm-hmm. I'm looking around, and I'm like, man, it is October... 20th. And it was kind of cold, though. No, it was in the mid-70s. I was a little cold. Well, that's because you're skin <laughs> I, and bones. It yeah, was a, that's true. It was in the mid-70s. It felt like May to me. And I'm looking around, and all the leaves are still green. And I'm like, uh-huh. wow, it's late October. The seasons, have shi- the seasons have shifted here. They've definitely shifted in this area where it used to be April showers bring May flowers. My wife and I were just talking about this the other day, but now it's more so it stays pretty cold Mm -hmm. through April. The weather starts to warm up a bit in May, but then it rains a lot in May, but it also stays warm towards the, to the end of October, but it's been unseasonably warm, I think recently. And, but today I look out the window, I'm driving here and you actually have orange and red and yellow leaves and it's overcast and gloomy not gloomy because it's not raining, but it's overcast and it's chilly. It looks like it might rain, though. Yeah. I feel like it might rain. Today it, today feels like fall, and I feel like it's all downhill from here. No, 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 no. It's only uphill from here. Fall is the best season, and you just you need to accept we're it. Not, we're not doing this again. It is not. It is. It is not. <laughs> it really is. You are 100% incorrect, and we're moving on. So, or- <laughs> moving on. Um Orioles opened fall instructional camp in Sarasota this past week. The roster includes Heston Kerstad, Colton Kalzer, D.L. Hall, Samuel Basayo, Michael Hernandez. Those are the two Orioles international signs. Yeah, they love both to got, see that. They both signed seven-figure deals in the uh, last winter. Uh, Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, Adam Hall, Daryl Hernandez, Kobe, Ma- Kobe Mayo, Joey Ortiz, and Anthony Servideo. Uh, um, there's way more than just them, but those are the big names that you see on that uh, instructional camp roster. Really great to see Heston Kerstad getting back to baseball activities. Yeah. Look, they don't have any games scheduled. Uh, emphasis being uh, put uh, more so on individual drills. But this is a guy, the number two overall pick for the Orioles in the 2020 draft, uh, who hasn't played a professional inning. And we're talking almost two years with the organization now. Mm-hmm. Uh, hasn't played... A professional inning with the team because of myocarditis that he got last off season. Um, he started to ramp baseball activities back up this year, and then he had a, a, a recurrence, an inflammation in, in the heart, and so they kind of shut him down a bit. He's ramping things back up though; he's good to go. It seems like so. We'll see how he continues to progress through the fall instructs, and hopefully, all things are a go, and he can come into spring training looking to play his first professional game, and hopefully. Start out at double A. I think it's more likely that he starts out at high A and then moves to double A. Mm-hmm. But let's get this guy on the field. Let's see what he can do, and let's see if he's worthy of that number two overall draft pick. I agree. I, I think Aberdeen is the spot he ends up starting with. Um, I, I don't really know. 
the success they'll have there right off the bat. I think I think fans will be disappointed, and that's usual. Fans are always disappointed no matter what, especially because you have a guy who was the number two overall pick. I think he'll have a f- slow first few months, um, but then he wants once he starts to pick it up and get a little more comfortable and start to be the Heston Curse dad that he was in Division One baseball. He'll get moved up to Bowie, and you know he could be on this major league team in, in 2023, maybe 2024. We'll see where it's, uh, it, it ends up for Kerstad, and we're just praying, obviously, at this point that he stays healthy and that he's able to make it through an entire minor league season with no complications. I think for the number two overall pick in the draft, you should he should be on the team by 2023. So maybe he yeah. doesn't. Maybe he doesn't need to start the year. With the team, but that guy should be making because look, Colton Callister was number five overall draft pick last year, and I think he'll be here in twenty twenty three. I guess Heston con- controls his own destiny. He does. To the point. He um, needs to go it, out and play well, unless that he gets you know there's an injury or the myocarditis comes back or there's something along those lines that keeps him you know off track. But I would agree with you. I I think they're going to generally fast track some of these guys that are already so advanced. I mean, Heston Kerstad was the best hitter in college baseball when the Orioles took him number two overall. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So. Again, as we say all the time, it remains to be seen. Yeah, that is the theme the show, of the show. But I, I, Heston can go a long way toward proving himself by having a good off season, yeah. a good spring, and hitting the ground running next next uh, next April uh, at either High A, which is where we think he'll start, yeah. and then eventually Double A, maybe even Triple A. Now, another guy, Jordan Westberg, who was drafted in the same draft. He was actually a competitive balance pick in the first round for the Orioles. First pro season, started at low A, went to high A, and made it all the way to double A. Went through three levels. He's in the instructional league. He's down there in the in the uh, fall instructional camp in Sarasota. This is a guy who played three levels and played well at all three levels. Yes. Are you surprised that he's still going through baseball activities at this point in the year considering he has played all year? I'm going to read into this a little too much, and I think – the Orioles are looking at him, like I said with Kershaw a second ago, as a guy that can fast track. And if they get him as much experience now in every single area of the game, whether it's fielding, hitting, anything, uh, you know, even even just running the bases is something that everyone needs to you know have practice with and work on. I think they're going to do it, and I think I think Westberg is a guy that they probably see as their future shortstop. I, I would I would doubt that they see anyone else there, unless it's you know Gunnar Henderson, obviously, but he looks like more of a third baseman at this point to me. If you look at Westberg as your guys, the next starting shortstop of the Orioles, and you really don't have anyone on your Major League team right now that you think is going to be that guy, why not try to fast-track him a little bit? Because, again, he did move up you know, all the way to Bowie this year from uh, you know, low A, so he's obviously a guy who they want to move along quickly, and I think getting him this more experience is, is going to be really important for him. And that was me reading the tea, le- tea leaves as well. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of took away the same thing. Yeah. They're looking at this guy and they're like, hey, we think we have something here. Now, look, when we're saying this, when Zach says the next starting shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles, he means the next franchise. Yes. Start. He doesn't yes. mean, like, the guy who's no, going to be it, starting it, on opening it, day in 2022. Right. That, that'll most likely be Ramon Arias or Jorge Mateo. One right. Of, uh, I, think, I still think they're going to go out and sign somebody like an Andre Simmons or somebody like that. No, I, I mean the next starting the ne- franchise. The, the next the, franchise cornerstone shortstop. Right. The it, guy. The the Dodgers Corey Seager. That kind of guy. Yeah. The, the Orioles Cal Ripken. Right. Right. L- right. L- l- you know. Um, so... I agree with you. I think that they're looking at him and they're like, we want, we think this guy could be something special, mm-hmm. so let's get him all the work that we can get him. You Agreed. know, yeah. And look, they're only going to be down there till like November twenty first, mm-hmm. right? So then he he'll have 
the rest of November, all of December, start ramping things back up in January before they head down to Sarasota in February. Uh, do you think he starts at AAA this year? I, I, I'd be inclined I to think... I don't. You, you know what? You're probably right simply because when you look at... He hit like 232 right. at Bowie. Now, he came on strong at the end of the year. He was solid in the playoffs he was. for them. Ryan Mountcastle, when he got called up to Bowie, didn't play well. Uh, in partic- didn't particularly play well mm-hmm. um, in his first go-around with Bowie, but it was only mm-hmm. like a partial season there. Mm-hmm. He came up the next year and hit like 297 yeah. at Bowie <laughs> and, and, and earned his way up to AAA. And I think that could be a similar thing. Where, But I also think that it, you'll see Westberg potentially start at Bowie, work his way up to AAA, and then possibly be a late-season call-up. I, I think this guy yeah. is 100% being fast-tracked. I agree. I, I think Colton Kowser is the exact same way. I know we're going to get to him in a second, but I think a lot of these early round college bats, and that's what Michael Elias has targeted. You look at what Michael Elias has done, he's targeted early round college bats because they're advanced. They know how to hit already, and they don't need a lot of player development to get to the place that they want him to be. Um, and, and Michael Elias knows that Colton Cowser is an advanced hitter, uh, you know, he, and, he, and he is an advanced hitter. He knows Heston Kerstad's an advanced hitter. He knows Adley Rutschman is. He knows Westberg is. That's the kind of guys they targeted, and it's working out so far. And you can fast-track them, and they can be here sooner rather than later. And I think Westberg is definitely one of those guys. Uh, but I also think Colton Cowser is one of those guys, and I think Colton Cowser has a chance to be on the major league team by the end of this year. I really do. If he plays well enough. Well, yeah, I mean, but you could say that about a lot. If they play well sure. enough. But, <laughs> but, but yeah. look, Colton Cowles certainly got off to a great start. He did. Right? 375 between two levels in his first in his first couple months mm-hmm. of, of pro ball. Uh, that's what you're supposed to do. As a top right. draft pick coming out of college, you're supposed to hit that well. Now, let's see him get to high A. I'm assuming he'll start at high A, work his, earn his way up to double A. Sure. Uh, I'm not so sure that we'll see Kerstad at any point. I mean, not Kerstad. Kalser at any point this year. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure about that. Um, but I do think that he will be here, if not to start 2023, then at some point in the 2023 season. I think his bat yeah. is advanced. It is. I, here's a quick question for you. Do, what do you think the Orioles kept in mind when they made the decision to send Stowers to the Arizona Fall League? But the rest of these guys to the instructional camp. What is the difference in Stowers that makes him a candidate to do that? I have no idea. That's what I'm wondering too. I, I really don't know. So well, they they sent Diaz out there as well. They so did. it's Diaz and Stowers out there playing playing uh, in the outfield. And Diaz for... makes sense. He didn't have many reps, and he's a guy who really struggled. So if he goes out and he is actually playing very well out there, but I don't really care that much I don't don't want to make that sound wrong I I don't really care there I think he's kind of forced his way out of the Orioles plans and it's up to him to force his way back into the Orioles plans look it could be something as simple as Stowers had a really good year Mm -hmm. he hit he seemed to hit pretty well at every level let's send him out to the to the uh Arizona Fall League against some top talent uh Mm -hmm. to see if this is something that we can depend on you know uh, it, it's it's hard for me to say because what more does that did that guy need to prove this year? That's what I'm wondering too. Why, why was I, I don't see Yusniel Diaz and Kyle Stowers as anywhere near the same of what they did this year? They were completely polar opposites. Yusniel Diaz didn't even hit 200. Well, well, look, there's still a lot of swing and miss in, sure, Stow- in sure. Stowers' game, right? And when he was on except uh, on the broadcast a few weeks back in mm-hmm. the last week of the season, and he was accepting his co-minor league player of the year award, yep. he and Adley Rutschman, he said, yeah, before it was even announced by the team, he said, yeah, I'm going out to the Arizona Fall League. The Orioles want me to get more bats and, and really refine my hitting approach. So I'm sure, like, look, to Zach Goodman and Paul Valley, this, 
on the surface, it's like, he had a really great year at three right, different right. levels. Why does he need, what more does he need to prove? To right. them, there could, the, yeah, he hits everything hard, but maybe there's a hole in the swing. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure that they sent him out there with instructions on what to work on. Sure. You know, we're not privy to the things that they do behind the scenes. Nobody is to right. the things that they do behind the scenes. So there's, I'm certain that he's out there because there's, they believe in him, but there's something in his game that they want him to refine and work on and get under control. There's, th- I'm sure that's why he's out. That's there. got to be what it is. Uh, but you almost wonder if they could have just done these things and helped him out in the instructional league as well, or in, that, in the instructional camp is what I should call it. But that, but then there's also maybe it's one of those things where they're like, we, th- it's just a small thing that we wanted to work on, and mm-hmm. the instructional camp is more so for the first and second year players who, because that's really who it's for. It's for first and second year players. That's a good point if who, you look at it. Yeah, yeah, who they want to get their hands on. Mm-hmm. Because Kyle Stowers is almost major league ready, go out there, face some tough competition. Yeah. We'll see how you do. We'll come back and we'll work on what you worked on out there more. Yeah. You know, and, and that could be really all it is. We gotta we gotta move on a little bit here. I do want to point out, um, Glenn pointed this out to me. If you see me on my phone while while we're doing the show, uh, it, uh, he pointed out to me that it kind of makes people think that you look disinterested when you're on your phone while you're doing a live show. Mm-hmm. Folks, I wanted to assure you I am not disinterested. I am paying attention and listening. When I'm on my phone, I'm doing something for the show. Usually I'm, researching. Yeah, right. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm putting out a tweet for the show or yep. I'm texting a guest to get them on, but I'm 100% here. I'm 100% listening, yeah. so please do not think I'm disinterested. That's the last thing I want people to think about me. Uh, I'll try to get better about doing it. But I'm 100% here. You have my full attention. I'm, I'm here. Uh, another thing with the Orioles, Austin wins mm-hmm. was placed on waivers. He cleared waivers and was outrighted to Norfolk. It's a bit, of, a bit of a surprise considering the O's need a backup catcher next year. But they also need to clear space on that 40-man roster. We're going to talk about that in Orioles banter later in the show. The Orioles need a ton of 40-man space because they have a ton of players that they need to put on that roster. Um, so it, it makes sense. We're, were you surprised to see that Wins was put on waivers, cleared, and then was outrighted, or is it to you just the nature of the business? I'm not surprised at all. I don't think Austin Wins is a very good catcher in any capacity. I don't think he does anything well. Um, you know, we we talked about on the show when when Chance Cisco was the starting catcher, or not really, I shouldn't say starting catcher, but the the backup catcher for the Orioles. We talked about how bad his defense was and how Chance Cisco couldn't hit, and he eventually got DFA'd, picked up by the Mets, did nothing there. They bring up wins, and you go, okay, now we've got a real defensive catcher. This is a guy who can really help out the pitching staff. Honestly, Austin Wins did not bring that much to the table to me defensively. I was not impressed in what Austin Wins brought to the table in in any capacity. So I'm not really surprised. He's he's one of the older players on the roster. I, I just really don't feel that strongly about this in any way. I don't think he's Adley Rutschman's backup long term. I don't think he's even Adley Rutschman's backup in 2022. I don't. I, 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 just don't see a future for Austin Wins on this club. And by the way, I, there were three more moves made this morning for the Orioles' 40-man roster. I, I'm not sure if you're aware of these yet. Did you hear about them I, I didn't see them, no. So Tom Eshelman, Connor Wade, and Pat Vileka were all outrighted. So the 40-man roster now sits at 35. Okay. It now sits at 35. It needs to get down to about 27. Yep. So they still, a lot they, more to go. Yeah, so the, the, they still have. So you said that's that. That was Pat Vileka, Tom Eshelman, and who was the other one? Connor Wade and Connor Wade. Okay, those are moves that make sense. Mm-hmm. Pat Vileka is probably not a Baltimore Oriole <laughs> next year. Tom, <laughs> no. Esch- none of these guys. They're minor league depth, right? Right, and that's where they're. That's where they're probably going to be. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to see them 
at any point next year, so I have to rephrase my statement. They're not in the Orioles' plans for the opening day roster next year. Sure, They're going to be guys who are depth, and you might see a guy like Pat Vileka ask for his release. You you might see something yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, Tom, Thomas Eshelman, Connor Wade, these aren't guys who will generally get a ton of looks. Right. Uh, although they are pitching, so they will probably get more looks than Pat Vileka would. But Pat Vileka has been around. He's had success at the major league level. He could, instead of saying, you know what, I'm tired of, he could say, I'm tired of riding the bus, and I want to, I want to find some permanence somewhere, or at least go mm-hmm. to a team where I have an opportunity. Yeah. Um, but that still could be the Orioles. We have no idea. It could be, yeah. I, 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 every time I write someone off and I say, "Oh, he's never coming back to the Orioles," he always does. We did with Pat Valenka this past year. Sure, and it, it happened with Joey Rickard so many times. I remember when when they'd option Rickard and and they'd outright him or whatever they would do with him to get him off the the, the major league roster. He'd always show up like two weeks later and be like, "Hey, I'm back, guys." So yeah. <laughs> you Joey freaking Rickard. Jo- Joey Rickard. Joey Rickard. Um, I was never a big fan, but he always ended up coming back, and I, I could see that for for a guy like Eshelman for sure. Yeah, for definitely, especially with pitching. There's always a place for pitching, right? There's all and Eshelman was a second round pick for a reason. Now I don't think he's a difference maker, but it's depth. And I, mm-hmm. I think the pitching has a, has more of a chance to stick to stick around and find their way back to Baltimore. Pat Valeka, I'm not so sure. But I agree. We'll see. It's it's October. You know what I mean? We have a long way to go before they have to make any decisions on that. Uh, quickly, uh, Astros advanced to the World Series for the, for the first, third time since 2017. Look, I think their pitching was just too much. For the, for the Red Sox. Yeah. Like, clearly it was because the Red Sox scored one run in their last 26 innings uh, batting. It, and, and they got outscored 23-3 to after Game 3. Yeah. I, I saw some fans that were going, you really scored zero in an elimination game? This is an elimination game. And, you know, this is where you've you really got to put it all together. And they just didn't. So. Yeah, I, I, you almost wonder, was the writing on the wall for them? And they, uh, they when they're down one nothing, they're down 2 nothing. okay, they probably feel like they're still in that game. When Tucker hits that three-run homer, mm-hmm. they're done. They're cooked. Yeah. Like yeah. they were probably done and cooked anyway. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. they still feel like they have a chance. They know they're not coming back from five nothing in the top of the ninth. This isn't this right. isn't the Father's Day massacre with Jeremy Guthrie on the mound in two, in, <laughs> in 2006. This is Jeremy Guthrie. Yeah. This, this is the Houston Astros in an elimination game mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Right. Like. Your goose is cooked. Yeah. Uh, you know, but... Did, did you see Alex Cora's press conference? No. Compared to the one Tony La Russa had just a few weeks ago, I thought it was awesome. So much better. So well, much better. The, the, po- the positivity he brought, and I really... I went. I, I did not... I, I said last week on the show, I do not do not like Alex Cora at all. I watched his press conference. I thought it was extremely mature. I thought it well, was extremely good. There's a reason that he was brought back. His team buys in to him. They, 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 they are reading what he's writing. Okay. Right. There's a reason he was brought back. It doesn't surprise me mm-hmm. that that he had a great press conference at the end yeah. of the year. And look, the Red Sox are are a talented squad. They've got mm-hmm. some moves that they've got to make. They've the lack of emphasis on starting pitching in the playoffs is so bananas to mm-hmm. me. It's so it's so out of the ordinary to me because I don't know how you can justify. Like I get it. You have. 30 guys in your in your organization that can throw 100 miles an hour mm-hmm. but I want somebody who has pitching savvy who can get to the um who can get to the 7th inning for you and the, and the lack of emphasis on starting pitching right. I it just blows my mind. We got to get Santa on so go ahead and do that. We have Brave Dodgers tonight. Braves need to close this out tonight. 
I don't think that they can let this series reach a seventh game, not after last year when they went up 2-0. The exact same situation. They go up 2-0, they lose game three, they win game four, and then they lose games five, six, and seven. They can't let that happen. The Dodgers already, I guarantee, believe that it's their series to lose. The good news for the Braves is that the series has returned to Atlanta, whereas last year, the Dodger, last year the Dodgers, albeit at an alternate site, were the home team for the last two games. They cannot let this series go beyond tonight the Braves can't if they if they want to win it if they want to go to the World Series they have to win tonight I agree it's got it's got to happen I mean they the Braves have had so much limited success in the playoffs as of you know the past 20 years they've got to get back to the World Series they just have to it's it's yeah. it's, it's, it's in their hands they control their destiny just do it the time is now you've won four straight right. NL East titles you've got to make it back to the World not yet, not yet. You, we've got to make it back to the World Series. They've got to make it back to the World Series. Um, so it is definitely something they need to win tonight. They've got to go, go full hands on deck and win this game tonight. Um, we do have Stan on the line before we get him. Um, we're going to talk about baseball with Stan, but there's a bigger thing going on right now in, um, in Maryland. And that is sports betting in Maryland. And look, mm-hmm. 70% of you voted for sports betting. There was supposed to be a meeting on October 14th where uh, it was expected the Maryland's big three casinos, the Horseshoe Casino, Live Casino and Hotel, and MGM National Harbor were going to have their retail applications approved, and we were going to be able to get on-site sports betting in Maryland. Mm-hmm. That meeting got postponed. These talks have been tabled, mm-hmm. and it's looking like, if you're again, if you're reading the tea leaves, this could be put off for another year. Uh, and it's it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. And Stan wrote an article about this, a great article that I read last night for the Press Box uh, website. Let's get Stan on the line. Stan, how are you this morning? I'm good, guys. How you doing? We're doing very well, thank you for asking. Uh, like I said, we're going to talk some baseball with you. But, Stan, talk about um, what's going on with Maryland sports betting and the big blow that it just took this week. Well... We don't know for a fact that it's taken that big a blow, but the but you use the right term. If you sort of read the tea leaves, there's this committee that was empowered through the legislation uh, that that enabled sports betting to be put on the on the track to get underway, and it's called SWARC, which stands for the um, Sports Wagering. Administration Review Committee. I think that's what it is. Sports Wagering Application Review Commission. Yeah, and they review the applications and go over it. And frankly, there's a they they've been mandated to try and and make some room in the ownership stake of sports betting um, licensees to minorities and to female-owned uh, businesses. And those are both noble endeavors, but sort of the, the people that voted for it didn't vote for that. What they voted for was to be able to go into uh, around the corner or to a facility and bet on sports like you can in about 20 or 25 states, maybe even more around the country. Um, and this news of the cancellation of this meeting that was supposedly going to, uh, you know, sort of pave the way for these, the big three, and you said who they are, Bet MGM, uh, MGM, Horseshoe, and Live, uh, was canceled at the last minute. No reason given, really. Uh, 
and the words coming out are more like, hey, we want everybody to be able to start the, these, you know, the, using these licenses together. We don't want to give a head start to anybody. Um, that's, that's not what the people voted on MOS for, 70% of the people voted. And I just wanted to give a couple facts. The big three, uh, these three casinos, pay the state currently right now combined more taxes than all the rest of the businesses in the state of Maryland. I mean, that is a mind-blowing statistic, but um, it's, it's factual. Um, the other thing is that an awful lot of the people that work in the casino trade are minorities and females. So I'm not saying that the idea of having black or female-led ownership uh, in the in the um, in the license uh, uh, holders is is not a good idea, not a noble idea. But my God, what what are what are the big three doing uh, that is so wrong? You know, and the news of this cancellation came out the same day, guys. That the that the word came out that New Jersey had their first billion dollar handle month. Okay. Yeah. That means that doesn't mean that New Jersey profited a billion dollars, but it means they took in in sports betting wagers over a billion dollars in a month's time. And you know what Maryland took in during that same month? Zero. Yep. Okay. Um, it's it's really gotten to the point, uh, and I haven't even gotten into how it's affecting, like, our business, what we do at PressBox. Right. You know, we've got a lot of plans on hold that have been on hold, and we were told that this thing would probably open in August. It would probably open by mid-football season. And now we are hearing rumors that if, if Swark has its way and has to review all the applications so everybody can start at the same time, um... It it's clearly could take a year or more to do that and and make the stupid attempt. And, and frankly, it is a stupid attempt to have these these players, these license holders, all start at the at the starting gate at the same time. Um, there's no question. The majority of people that are going to bet sports are going to end up betting sports through the big three. Uh, once it all gets underway and they have their apps and all this. Right. And it's also, I can tell you now, factually, while it's a noble endeavor to, to try and get black representation, minority representation, and female representation in ownership, any type of mom-and-pop operation that thinks, oh, I can make a fortune doing that, they don't know what the hell they're entering into. And the majority of these licenses in the first year year and a half a good chunk of them are going to go go down the wayside anyway so while it's a noble endeavor i don't see what the holdup is to license and allow the big three to start simply taking bets at their brick and mortar locations well yeah and it's looking like it's going to be based on your article you're looking at a hun- over a hundred licenses that have to be given out to get everything, everybody uh, equal. 
which to me, that, yeah, it's, that, something, that, it's something in that ballpark. I thought it was something like 90, but so uh, you 77 have, or something like that. You said uh, they're overseeing but, the awarding of 30 Class B licenses, 60 mobile licenses, in addition to 12 Class A licenses. Okay, then it is over 100. Yeah, yeah. and it's... Uh, yeah. It's, it, I mean, the, 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 that's take the a long time. does not have the manpower to put in and do this in a expedited uh, sense at all. And it's just kind of, it's so typical of Maryland, which is desperate for tax dollars, to, to just let people go to different states to gamble, you know, uh, crossing state lines to go to New Jersey, to go to Delaware, to go to Pennsylvania, to do their sports betting. And we're sitting here, despite the fact that 70% of the people voted for this thing. And it's, it's sad, you know, it's, it happens. This is not the only legislation that gets hijacked by things like this. It happens all the time in Washington, too. But they start with a good idea, and they say, hey, this is a great idea because people want this. So let's tack on four, five, six other important things. And then we'll pass the legislation and get it underway. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate, and they're missing their meal ticket because it's football season, college football, the NFL, and you can't bet on that. It, they're they're completely missing out on a ton of money. It just doesn't make any sense. And hopefully, this there's a resolution to this. Um, if you have well, go yeah, ahead. The, the thing, if you have my if you have my column up, can you give out the address? Because even the governor now has said. It's time to start to put some pressure on the SWART committee, and there's a there's an email address I think, uh, Paul. There there is an email address. I I've got to pull it up right now for you. Um, I've posted a couple times from Glenn's um, from Glenn's handle, and it's it's definitely a SWART email address. And I apologize, I didn't have it ready, and I definitely no, should I should have had it up too. I was in the middle of writing an email when you guys called. No worries. Um, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it right here. So, uh, if you want to, uh, Governor Larry Hogan put out a tweet that said, "Our administration re- recently approved the first three locations for sports wagering in Maryland. Tell the legislature sports wagering application review commission to allow football season betting to begin. If you have an issue with this, if you voted for sports betting in Maryland and you're disappointed right now, like most of us are, you can email them at swark. That's S W A R C at mlis.state.md.us. And tell them their opinion. If they're going to be flooded with emails, maybe it'll force their hand and they'll have to make a move. Because this, you're right, Stan, it doesn't make any sense, and the timing of this is extremely poor. Again, uh, we're not asking them to, to not take in the license applications of minorities or female-led businesses all we're asking right now is to let's get this underway. There's nothing that should be stopping the big three, MGM, Live Casino, and Horseshoe, from being able to take sports bets at their facilities. Absolutely. So, again, you can email them at uh, swark, S-W-A-R-C, at mlis.state.md.us and tell them their opinion. Be polite. You don't have to be crass with them, but let them know that you, firmly that, hey, this is something we voted for and we want this implemented. Uh, Stan, now moving on to baseball, the Orioles offseason is ramping up. They have a ton of roster moves that they need to make. Now, this morning they they did um, outright Pat Vileka, 
Connor Wade and Thomas Eshelman. They get their 40-man roster down to 35. But they need to get down to about 27 to get all these guys that they need that are coming off the IL and all these guys who are going to be Rule 5 eligible to get them on the roster. Uh, how are they going to make all these? Have you had an opportunity at all to look at the 40-man roster and figure out what moves are they going to make? I've not, I've not looked at the 40-man roster, but i got to tell you, when a team loses 110 games, it shouldn't be real hard to chop whatever you need to chop off. Uh, you know, I mean, those four players you're talking about, nice guys. It's great that they persevere and keep trying to play Major League Baseball. Uh, the, you know, the Baltimore Orioles are not going to sink or swim uh, by the dint of the players that they're going to have to release right. to get down to make room for the people coming off the I.L. So, Stan, while it may appear easy to get this roster down, you know, another, what is it, eight players, I about believe it is? About eight players. Down. You look at this roster, and there's just some guys that you, like a Jorge Mateo, for example, where you go, well, I don't want to DFA him. He, you know, he still could be a part of our team for, you know, the foreseeable future. But, you know, there's also a good chance he may not be. There's a lot of those guys kind of on the verge. And there's also some prospects I feel are on the verge, like a Usnail Diaz. Does Usnail Diaz really deserve a spot on the 40-man anymore? Is he a guy that you could see being chopped off? Uh, you know, I, I don't think he's – I mean, he's been in the organization now since, what, the middle of 2018? Yep. So that's all the 19 season – all the 20 season and all the 21 season, mm-hmm. and due to, due to poor performance and poor performance and uh, injury, yeah. he's been unable to gain any traction in his career. And by now, I'd be saying that I think the Orioles, you know, got a little bit of, of the fleece in that deal. You know, there's no question. Oh, about absolutely, it. no this question. This guy is not a, a a strong prospect any longer. Uh, do I want to lose him? You know, I'd rather hold on to him. But I'm, again, this team lost lost 110 games. These players that we're talking about: Matt Harvey, Hunter Harvey, Jorge Lopez. These are the guys that have been filling out our roster to begin with. So I don't see the pressure to necessarily get any of those people back on the Orioles 40 man roster. Now what I mean, God bless God bless Hunter Harvey <laughs> and yeah. and I'm sure somebody would take him mm-hmm. but I'm not so a hundred percent sold that somebody wants to pick him up as a rule five and have to carry him through two and three DL, IL stays. You know? Yeah, it, it, that's an excellent point. I mean, the guy hasn't proven that he can stay healthy at any point in his career except for maybe his first year. So if somebody right. would be taking a huge chance on him, that's for sure. Now, another guy I that mean, was... I mean, all kidding aside, guys, if tomorrow they they let Richie Martin go, Jemai Jones go, Nick Chiaffo, uh I mean, is, is it really going to be that hard to get to, get down to what they need to get down with? You know, no, it's an excellent point. I don't, I don't think that anybody thinks. Well, people are really high on Jemai Jones just based on where he used to be as a prospect when he was in the Angels organization right. and how hot he started this past year before he got injured. But a, a right. guy like Nick Chufo, a guy like Richie Martin, no, for, for sure they're not difference makers, and people aren't going to lose sleep if the Orioles uh, decide to designate those guys. I, I think my point yeah. is is that you you have to make a sacrifice somewhere along the line. It's just inevitable. There will be a guy the Orioles they they, they get rid of him because 
he just doesn't fit. But overall, they liked him and they still thought he could be a part of the organization. I think there is going to be – when you have to cut this many players, there's going to be a sacrifice somewhere along the line. There's, there almost just has yeah, to be. And, and look, look, if we got – guys, we acquired Evan Phillips in the middle of 2018. Mm-hmm. Did he ever Did he ever look like he was really the, the real deal? No. no. And now here he was in this championship series – striking out three of the four batters he faced in a game for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean you're gonna make mistakes yeah. you're going to make mistakes, but you shouldn't get frozen by, you know I, I just I don't see this roster being incredibly hard. I mean, do you really think that they have to keep Spencer Watkins on their no, their three no. man roster? No. No, and they probably won't. They probably won't. And I doubt that, that if he went on waivers, that anybody would pick him up, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. Doubtful. So, and uh, that's, that's another guy, uh, Josh Rogers, who did nothing for the Orioles. He was He's another guy that was acquired in 2018, did nothing for the Orioles, and he goes and he pitches lights out for the Nationals this year. These things happen to every team. It's inevitable yep. that somebody's going to pitch poorly for you or play poorly for you and then go and have success elsewhere. It's just something that I happens. mean, there's no, there's no question that Mateo – is a guy they should really want to, to look at through the course of a spring training and at least half of next year. There's got to be a way to, to max his abilities out. I mean, he's, I agree. A, he's a different level athlete. Right. And, uh, and it wasn't like he came in and hit 190, you know. Uh, he, he was getting on base and he was yeah. doing his thing. Yeah, he hit closer to 290 with the Orioles. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's yeah. I think that he and a guy like Kelvin Gutierrez are guys who are pretty safe on this roster because I think that they want to take a longer look at them next spring. Now, somebody who wasn't safe, Stan, was Austin Wins. He's been with the team for quite a while now. He was placed on waivers, cleared, and outrighted to Norfolk. Stan, should we read into this that the Orioles are now on the market for a veteran uh, backup catcher? Or do you think that this is just the moves that you make and Austin Wins is probably still on the running to be that backup catcher next year? I would say that he's probably still in the running to be the backup catcher next year. But, uh, you know, uh, I, again, I don't, I don't know, always follow exactly how those, the payroll works, but now they can offer him a minor league contract yeah. next spring and take away any leverage he had at maybe making a million dollars or a million two. Uh, he would clearly need to come in at the minimum again. Yeah, it's 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 a move that you make, uh, but it doesn't take them out of the running. That's that's for sure. Um, right. Moving I mean, on, me personally, I would rather. And again, I know it's complicated by the fact that they can't put Rutschman on the forty-man roster yet. Yeah, because if he's on the forty-man roster and there is no major league baseball, you'd really hate for him to miss playing triple-A baseball, you know, for two, three months yeah. uh, if baseball was out. So that's complicated. But I'd much rather they come in with, say, a, a Stephen Vogt and a Rutschman next year. And, uh, you know, I mean, I read the other day that Severino 
is due to make an arbitration like $3.1 million. Oh, he's gone. Really? He's gone. <laughs> really, the Orioles have no intention of paying him no. $3.1 million. No, it's pa- Pedro Severino is going to get a starting starting job somewhere in Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. but it's certainly not going to be with the Baltimore Orioles. I think he's played his last game in an Orioles uniform. Yeah, I'm not so sure he starts with any other team in the Major Leagues. Maybe, maybe not. He came on really strong in the second half. He had a great first half in 2020 where he probably, if they had been in the All-Star game, would have been the starter I'm, in the All-Star game. I'm not game. even talking about his hitting, his inconsistent hitting. I'm talking about defensively. Oh, yeah, he's a terrible I, defender. I, there's no team in Major League Baseball that wants it. Now, if you talk about him being out there 30 or 40 games and it's an organization that has some success working with catchers, uh, I'm frankly just shocked at how bad he continued to be. Yeah, and, and that's the crazy thing because when he came in, he was known for his defense, and it's just been yeah. no, it's been nothing since he's been yeah. here. Although before he yeah. came here, there were national pitchers or nationals, I should say, pitchers that didn't like working with him. It was like a noted thing yeah. that they just didn't want to throw to him because he was such a a bad framer, I guess. But the rest of his defensive game just got a lot worse when he came over to Baltimore. I mean, so the he's gone. Is called the position is called catcher. He, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't do that part very well. Yeah. yeah, he can't. No, it's it's an excellent, excellent point. Now, Stan, I don't want to harp on these. We, we've talked about what the Orioles are going to do or not do this offseason a lot in the last couple of months, so I don't want to harp on it too much, but there's still a, a sizable portion of this fan base that doesn't believe that the Orioles are going to do what it takes to get them over the hump and get them back at the contention. Um, so my, my next question here for you, and I want to be as succinct as possible with this, um, do you? I believe that Mike Elias was hired. Um, I, I believe that he was hired under the agreement that he would have full reign over baseball activities. So, with that in mind, do you believe that he has the full support of ownership? In in other words, could he go to ownership this offseason and say, "Hey, the time is now to spend," and they'd say, "Okay, go ahead and do it." And conversely, if ownership came to him and said, "Hey, if you want to go spend, go spend," does he have the 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 support of them to say, hey, no, let's see this this thing out, or does he have to do exactly what they say? Like, what's the relationship there? Well, I mean, he has to do what they say in terms of what's what's in the budget. You know, every business has a budget, and you have to adhere to, to the budget to pay the bills. Right. And this has been my contention since Peter Peter Angelos was, has gotten off the stage and is uh, infirmed to the point that he can't run the team. I don't know that they have the access to the cash that they would need if they said, okay, you know what, we're going to up this payroll from $60 million to $90 million. I don't know that they have the money readily. Now, that's going to be tested pretty soon because apparently uh, one of the provisions in this new basic agreement is going to be that uh, Major League Baseball will mandate a floor that teams have to spend to. So you won't have the ability to have a $30 million or $40 million payroll. I mean, if you, take, if you take last year Alex Cobb, who we paid $10 million of, of his 15, mm-hmm. and you take Chris Davis, who we paid, I think, $20 million last year, if you take them off the roster, the Orioles probably barely have a 35 to $40 million payroll. Absolutely. Year. Yeah. And supposedly that's where Major League Baseball is going to attack this thing uh, because a guy, let's look at a guy like Austin Wins. Basically, the Orioles can can kind of yo-yo him 
up and down off the roster and outright them. And while I don't think there's a, a spoken agreement between teams, but we're not going to pick up the the Kansas City Royals version of Austin wins unless we really think he's a difference maker, and they won't pick up Austin wins. So what that's done is taken a lot of ball players and kind of screwed their leverage. So what they're trying to say is, hey, you've got a disproportionate number of people that are getting stretched and thinned out of the herd, and you've got a small percentage that make the big money. What we're going to do is try and help more players in the union by, you, you know, you multiply 30 teams, uh, 32 teams by by $100 million. That's a, that's a lot of money that's not being spent right now if they make that the floor. Um, in return, what they're going to be looking for is some type of cap situation, uh, and that's where the Players Association um uh, it could get splintered a little bit. You know, normally that's a that's a union that stays together firmly. Uh, but if they start offering the majority of the players a lot more money, um, it, it might it might well, I won't say it breaks the union. You may have some interesting choices that these the players association has to make. Do you look out for ten percent of the? 10% of the players, the Machados, the Tatises, that make these ungodly sums of money at the expense of all these Austin wins. And Austin wins may be a little bit too low a version of what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the Pat Valekas of the world that constantly just get yo-yoed and never get a chance to really get a, any meaningful piece of the pie, so to speak. Stan, you mentioned the the salary floor that might be in the new CBA negotiations. Personally, I'm a big fan of this. I love the fact that they're going to force teams to spend a little more because I think it gets the Orioles back in contention a little bit quicker. I think it's going to force the hand of Michael Elias and you know uh, John Angelos. I think it's going to force them into it a yeah, little I, bit quicker. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. Go ahead. I'm what sorry. do you think? You what do you think the number should be, and what do you think the number will be on that salary floor? It, it may be sixty million. I think it's going to be higher than 60, but okay. I think it might stop short of 100. And I think yeah. the number probably is in the 80, 80, 85 million, you know. Um, but but the sell would be much easier if they made that floor 110, 120 million. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know that that, that 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 cutting it to 60, 70 is going to be enough for the players to yeah. say. Because cause out of what are there, 32 teams in Major League Baseball, correct? Yeah, no, 30. I, 30, always, 30. Get the, I always get football and baseball. Whatever it is, the, 90% of the teams are probably pretty darn close to what we think this cap, this floor should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like the Orioles and, and even Tampa gets much closer to, to the floor than, than the Orioles. Are. So so Tampa was at seventy two million this year, I believe. So they if right. if the the new floor was eighty five million, they'd still be you know thirteen under, and that's a considerable difference for a you know for a team. You can add quite a lot of talent with thirteen million dollars. You can add two or three. You can add two or three nice little players. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. 
Yeah, they certainly have a lot to talk about with this new CBA. The, the current one expires December 1st. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of work to do. Hopefully they're behind the scenes doing stuff as we speak because they need to get something figured out. They cannot afford another work stoppage. Uh, Stan, yeah. playoffs are going on right now. Astros just advanced to their third World Series since 2017 last night. The Red Sox bats went frigid this this series. Uh, after the the eighth inning, of game four, the Red Sox were outscored 22 to one. They scored three runs in their last three games of the series. Stan, they got shut out in an elimination game last night. What happened to the Red Sox bats? Because I, I, the bats are what got them there. Yeah, that's a that'll be the sixty four thousand dollar question that the Red Sox have to analyze. You know, um, I you know I can't quite put my finger on it. You know, I mean they're. They're an awfully good hitting team. I think I think Devers is so important to that team, and he's having some problems. You know, the shoulder problems. Mm -hmm. He seemed like he was uppercutting every pitch and popping up. Mm -hmm. He wasn't barreling up. But I can't really tell you what you know. I you know. I mean, look, look, Framber Valdez is is a heck of a pitcher. Yeah, Um, and he pitched. An absolutely brilliant ball game, and then it was followed up two days later by an absolutely brilliant game by uh, Garcia. Uh, Garcia, Luis Garcia. Um, sometimes you just have to tip your cap to the other team, and uh, that's. I, I think the Red Sox will find that it's better to kind of view it in that prism than what what was really wrong with us. Um, you know, I don't think J.D. Martinez is the player he was three years ago. Yeah. Um, I was scared to death. I had him this year on my fantasy team, and he had an incredible first three or four weeks. And then the next three or four weeks, he just wasn't. I was nervous that he was going to totally collapse. He never totally collapsed. And I yeah, probably a good year. panicked a little too much. But, I mean, he had a good season, don't get me wrong. But he did not really strike the ball that well uh, during the postseason. Yeah, and he had that ankle injury too, and I don't think that you can discount that. I think that having to plant on, yeah. that, on that injured ankle is really difficult. Now, Stan, um, I think the Astros, honestly, they just broke their back. They broke the Red Sox back. I mean, they scored 27 runs with two outs in this series. When you feel like you're about to get out of an inning and then you continue to give up run after, I mean, they had a seven run, uh, I believe it was eighth or ninth inning earlier in this series. I think it was the eighth inning and they scored all seven runs with two outs. When you are doing that to your opponent, you're breaking their back and, and crushing their spirit. And I think that that's more so the story of this series than anything else is that the, the Red Sox could not find a way to get that third out. Yeah, they, they couldn't. And let's be honest, uh, their their bullpen was very suspicious uh, the second half of the year. Yeah. You know, they had this kid, Graham Whitlock, the Rule 5 guy that they picked up for the Yankees, had an in- incredible season, incredible season. Yep. And then in the postseason, as we talked, I think, last Saturday, he gave up a couple home runs. Mm-hmm. I, look, I, I love Evaldi. I think he's a tremendous pitcher. Um, using him the other night in relief, I, I did not care for that move at all. Um, I think there's a little too much of this uh, going on now. And you'll see what's happening with Max Scherzer now, unable to go tonight. 
And I would probably say he's even doubtful to go tomorrow night, you know, uh, if that should get to a game seven. So, um, listen, again, these teams that are playing in the postseason right now, can you imagine the whole industry, the pitcher, the pitchers the last 40, 45 games of the year, they were running on fumes back then. That's the teams that are all out right now. These pitchers here are running on fumes too. I mean, look at Garcia was terrible down the stretch and terrible in the first game against the the Red Sox. He pulled it together, though. They got him enough rest. uh, And I thought Evaldi was fantastic last night. Uh, But, again, he was running on fumes, and I think they did the right thing. I probably would have walked Alvarez every single time he came to the plate if there was a guy on base. He absolutely destroyed them. He out-hit the Red Sox in the final two games by himself. Only player in the history of the postseason to do that. Absolutely incredible. He's the closest closest hitter. It's really interesting that uh, nobody said this on the um, Fox coverage. He's, He's this generation's David Ortiz. He is just incredibly difficult. To get out. Absolutely. He, he's, he's a monster. He's, he's an absolute monster. He has a long, bright career ahead of him. Now, yeah. Stan... The only, the only guy that can get, to me, on that pitching staff that can really get him out consistently is Hernandez. Darwin's and Hernandez. Yeah. It, it's it, He's had a hell of a run. Hell of a, of a ball yeah. player. Now, now yeah. quickly, Stan, because we're up against it. Dodgers-Braves. Yeah. Braves took a 2-0 lead and a 3-1, and now with, uh, and then a 3-1 lead, just like last year. Dodgers went down and won Game Five. Now they're headed back to Atlanta. Can the Braves hold on this time, or do you see a repeat performance? I think the, uh, look. It won't shock me if the Dodgers somehow figure a way through right. these next couple days. Uh, but I, I think the Braves have a little too much, and they're too healthy right now for the Dodgers. You know, the Dodgers have lost. I thought Ron Darling's commentary the other day um, when uh, Gavin Lux made that horrible play out in center field that, you know, really cost him uh, dearly in that game. Yeah. And there's a guy who virtually never played center field. Ron Darling chimed in, we're seeing the collateral damage of Max Muncy being out because if Max Muncy was in, Bellinger would have been in center field. So with Max Muncy out, Dave Roberts was looking for de- looking for offense, and Gavin Lux looked like he might be able to to help quite a bit, uh, but he killed them defensively on that play. Oh, absolutely! I was I, I, like we were talking about backbreakers in the Astros Red Sox series. That was a backbreaker. But look, Bueller's going tonight for the Dodgers. Uh, I they have Bueller listed. Have they as, announced? Have they announced that officially? It says when I looked at the MLB app, it says that Bueller's a starter tonight, but it also says Bueller has Bueller as a starter tomorrow too, which yeah. doesn't make I a lot of sense. Think, I don't think Bueller will start tonight. Uh, I, I really don't. We'll we'll see how it goes. I think, I, I think they've got to do. I think they've got to hope that they can piece together another bullpen game. I, I the guy I think that they could start tonight and say David. Give us two two shutout innings and hope we can jump on them and get a couple runs. Is David Price? Yeah, that's the guy who makes the most sense to start tonight. But he, the chances of him pitching even three innings is probably negligible. 
Well, I don't think we've seen the last of Scherzer in this series. And look, I've seen, we've all seen enough of Max Scherzer to know that when it comes down to it, that dude's going to go out there and he's going to perform. If it's about getting the the Dodgers to the World Series, he's going to do what he has to do. Stan, we got to run. The problem, the problem is, and I know you got to run. The problem is that when he's out there performing now, he's no longer dominant, Max Scherzer. Yeah, you know, whatever the reasons are, he's not the same guy. Well, the, it, it's it's arm fatigue, but man, I'm not putting anything past him. I'm not putting okay. anything past him. Stan, thank you so much. Great conversation. Hey, we will talk next week. All right. All right, guys. Take, Take care. care. That was Stan the Fan Charles joining us for his weekly segment. I just want to remind you that Stan has two great shows for you every week, and like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball, and every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross chat with former Orioles executive Dan Duquette while Stan and Gary recap the inaugural, the inaugural Maryland Five Star with the event's president and CEO, Jeff Newman. Find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. Coming up this Monday, you won't want to miss it when Stan and Ross chat with baltimorebaseball.com's Rich Dubroff, friend of the show. Uh, the show is live at 6 p.m. And look, we just talked about it. It, it could be a potentially devastating blow to sp- to betting in sp- in uh, sports betting in Maryland. Are you disappointed that sports betting still isn't in place in Maryland? Clearly, we are too. But if you want to win some money on football, you can do it legally, and we're going to give you some free money to play with. Thanks to our friends at Underdog Fantasy Football. It's really simple, guys. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Deposit ten dollars and use the code PRESSBOX. And we'll give you $10 free to play with. So we're going to double your money there so that you can go in there and play and try and make some money. Underdog not only has daily and season-long fantasy contests, but also prop bets and fun parlay games where you can win every week this season. And it's not just football. The baseball season's almost over, but there's still plenty of baseball contests on Underdog, too. So go to PressBoxOnline.com fantasy, click on the Underdog logo, deposit your $10, and get your $10 free, or use the code PressBox at UnderdogFantasy.com and have fun winning money with PressBox and Underdog. We got to get a break when we come back from the Locked On Orioles podcast, the one and only Connor Newcomb. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hey, it's KZ. The Pressbox Fantasy Football Show is back, as always, on Thursdays. You can catch it at 1130. We're brought to you this year, CCBC and Glory Days Grill. You can catch the show two ways, facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash radio. The slash radio is if you want to listen. On Facebook is if you actually want to see my ugly face. We're going to have a lot of fun this year. DFS, daily lineups, keepers, all kinds of fun stuff. Please tune in, Pressbox Fantasy Football Show. Every Thursday, 11.30 a.m.
The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is coming soon to live casino and hotel in Hanover. Maryland, this is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at live casino and hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Glory Days Grill's popular Oktoberfest menu is back, and it features their delicious chicken schnitzel, two chicken cutlets, hand-breaded in herb panko, and pan-fried until golden brown, served with mustard cream sauce, mashed potatoes, and roasted vegetables. Their menu also includes your favorites, like the Oktoberfest Brewer's Platter, Brewer's Sausage Sandwich, Prussian Pretzel Rolls, Slam Dunk Pretzels, and Apple Cobbler. All of these meals pair well with their many Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine on their patios or in their dining room, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill has been proud to serve the community for the last 25 years. Thank you, fans. Hey guys, it's Paul Valley, and there's a new era of Glenn Clark Radio as I've joined Glenn every weekday from 10 a.m. to noon. There will be some changes, but what won't change is the absolute best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. He is Kevin Zeitler. Oh, uh, thank you. Very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot. Good to be with you. Ryan Mount Castle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. Coach Mark Turgeon. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. You can watch us live at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We're doing a lot of Orioles talk today, but there's another orange and black team that's coming in tomorrow. Not a good one. Ravens are taking on the Bengals tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock down at the bank. And I just want to remind you, every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. Don't miss a moment of Ravens football this season. Single game tickets are now available at BaltimoreRavens.com slash tickets. I'll be going to the Vikings game. After the bye next week. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Nice, go, nice. Go get your tickets. To, uh, go uh, root on the home team. Ravens, number one seed right now in the AFC, playing some damn good football despite a ton of injuries. With Not with that in mind because this is terrible transition. Uh, we have from the Locked on Orioles podcast, Connor Newcomb, kind enough to join us this morning. Connor, how are you today? I'm great. How are you guys? We're doing really well, man. I'm glad we can find it is kind of shocking to me that this is your first time on the show. I can't believe it's your first time on the show. Uh, I don't know what took us so damn long, but welcome. Thanks for joining us this morning. 
Yeah, of course. Happy to be on. Of course, I've had both you guys on uh, on my show as well. So I guess a little return of the favor here today. Yeah, no, but it, it doesn't even even feel like a favor, man. You deserve to be on the show because you do an excellent job for the Locked on Orioles podcast. You just did a recent grading system on the Orioles players based on position groups. I did the Orioles kind of like secondary infield. We're talking uh, like Jorge Mateo. Um, Richie Martin, Kelvin Gutierrez, guys like that. Zach, you did what? You did the outfield? I did the starting outfielders. You yep. did the starting yep. outfielders. I, I, I got into the game late. I didn't get to get to uh, all the grades for all the starters were were, oh. were taken. So I, I had to talk about Richie Martin extensively. I believe I was the first one to pick, actually. Right, Connor? I was the first one. Yeah, yeah. Zach got uh, Zach got first dibs and uh, obviously made the. Easy choice to went for the second yeah. home group. Yeah. I, I, you know I just want to talk about Austin Hayes. I love talking about Austin Hayes. It's well known. So, Connor, you've done all of these um, all of these grades by now, I'm sure. But have you gotten all the episodes out yet, or is it still something that's going to continue on through the off season? Yeah, it's, it's still uh, going on pretty much almost all the way done uh, recording all the episodes. Now posting them is a different story. Uh, so they're going to still be coming out over the next couple of weeks. But, uh giving out grades to a whole lot of players um, over the last couple of weeks. And speaking of those grades, who were your highest-graded Orioles to this point? We don't we don't want to spoil anything for anybody. So to this point, who are your highest-graded highest Orioles? I can't imagine there were many A's. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously Cedric Mullins is, yeah. is up there and, and talked about him with Zach. And, I mean, he's in the he's in the A, A-plus category. And, I mean, I, I did a lot of these, at least with my, my personal grades, and obviously I have guests on for, for most of the episodes. And compared it to preseason expectations, and with Cedric Mullins, I mean, you can't give him anything lower than an A. Oh, absolutely you know, ex- not. Expecting him to be, a, you know, maybe a starting outfielder. We'll see what happens to, you know, the, an MVP candidate, essentially, by the end of the year. So he was an easy one. Uh, the Trey Mancini episode is out there as well. I mean, for obvious reasons, just for him getting back on the field and, and being a better-than-major-league average hitter after what he went through uh, was an easy A grade as well. And uh, one of the last ones as well, actually maybe a, a little bit surprisingly, is that uh, Tyler Wells made his way up into that kind of A-grade uh, grade range just because a, a Rule 5 pick in the second round becoming the Orioles' you know, arguably best reliever, I, I thought kind of deserved that as well. Well, and speaking of Tyler Wells, um, to kind of move away from this just for a second because we're going to get back into your grading system here in just a moment, but Tyler Wells – Became, like you said, one of the Orioles' most reliable relievers. It became a back end of the um, back end of the bullpen arm for them, high, pitching in high leverage situations. But there are talks that the Orioles could look at him as there haven't talks at least that the Orioles could look at him as a starting candidate. How do you view Tyler Wells moving forward? Is this a guy that you want to see pitching in high leverage situations at the end of ball games, or do you want to see him get a crack at that starting rotation? I mean, I'd like to see Tyler Wells get the most innings as possible in 2022 because I think the Orioles want to see if, if this is the real deal after, you know, about 50-ish innings this year. And, you know, he was a starter. I mean, he was a starter in the minor leagues um, in the Minnesota system. And it's just kind of an odd place because, you know, even though he was a starter that whole time, there was no chance that he was ever going to be a starting pitcher this year. I mean, even if the Orioles had had more need for starters and it felt like they couldn't have had more of a need for starting pitching this year. I don't think he ever was going to be a starter just because he had had the arm injury, the pandemic. He hadn't pitched basically since high a ball in 2018. Right. So you're never going to have that guy, you know, really stretch out in the major leagues. So if you think about it that way, there's still a chance that the Orioles might have long-term starting pitcher plans for Wells. It was just never in the cards to try it out in 2021. I, I think he's a great reliever. 
I think he's got the passion, the, the fire on the mound to be a reliever. I think that fastball plays up out of the bullpen. He's got good secondary stuff. But we've seen him throw four pitches, and I think he has trust in at least three of those pitches. Yeah. And to me, if the Orioles want to try and extend him out in spring training, I'm all for it because, again, if the Orioles were looking to compete in 2022, I would say keep him in the bullpen. He's done well there. I think he's a really big weapon. But the Orioles are still trying to figure a lot of things out, and I would not mind at all maybe giving him a shot in the rotation. Yeah, I, I, I'm i kind of on the same page as you with that. If it's a situation where you need somebody in the back end of the bullpen to close out games because you're close to contention, yeah, you keep him in the bullpen. But there's no harm in trying to see what this guy can give you coming out of that starting rotation. And if he becomes an arm for you, that's one less guy that you have to worry about as far as that rotation is concerned. And you can kind of just move forward and be like, all right, we got Means, we've got potentially Grayson Rodriguez, now we've got Tyler Wells also. So I think it's something at least worth experimenting with and taking a look at. Now I want to talk to you a little bit about the bullpen Um because it seemed like everybody took a step back. Hunter Harvey didn't even pitch in the majors because he had um, he had arm issues. And uh, did he pitch? He pitched at the beginning of the year. A little I bit. believe a little bit. It yeah, wasn't but many he, games. He, but yeah. but he got hurt pretty quickly uh, in the season. Do you, I I I personally find that this bullpen could be a strength for the Orioles. They were just so overused and potentially even misused uh, this past season. How do you feel about the Orioles bullpen? Are you of in of the mindset that they need to go out and add to this bullpen, or do you think with the right usage they could be a weapon? Yeah, I mean, I, I think in 2020 that was probably the the most pleasant surprise of the season was the yeah. Orioles bullpen. I think it was a big reason why. The Orioles were like winning some baseball games the beginning of that shortened year. I think for a while this year, it was a pleasant surprise. And then, I mean, you got to remember just the collapse that happened in the second half to this bullpen. I mean, Paul Fry couldn't pitch anymore, essentially. Tanner Scott got injured multiple times, lost all fastball command. And those were two guys they relied on in the first half of the season. When you combined a pretty good Cole Sulcer with a surprise in Wells and just kind of a solid guy in Dylan Tate, you know, you kind of had at one point five relievers who you could trust in the Orioles' bullpen, which was more than I thought they were going to have this year. And we know when you look beyond those guys, there were just a million pitchers who were filed through this bullpen. And when a lot of those guys I just mentioned got injured, it seemed even worse. Like, at the end of the year, the Orioles basically had one trustworthy, healthy reliever in Cole Sulcer, and they were running through the last three weeks of the season like that. That's just not a way to play. But I will say with all of the young starters that they have, that are at this, like, AAA, but probably ready for the majors role, you know, especially guys like uh, like a Mike Bauman and a, and a Lowther and a Wells who pitched a little bit. You know, all of them are going to need opportunities, but all of them can't start. And so it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how many guys just get put in the bullpen so they can be on the roster next year but might be starters long-term. And I think that's going to make it tough for the Orioles to bring in a lot of relievers because, again, they're not really going to be competing in 22. It's more about getting looks at these guys. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I would like them to bring in one major league quality, like seventh or eighth inning guy. I think they just need a stabilizing presence for these young guys at the back end of the bullpen. And honestly, just to make Brandon Hyde's life a little bit easier, just to be able to look down there and have one guy that he knows has done this before and can come in and get three outs. Connor, you, you mentioned Cole Saucer. He's obviously one of the surprises, one of the best guys in the bullpen for the Orioles this year, if not the best. How likely do you see a trade, and what could the Orioles realistically get back for a guy like Cole Saucer? He did have 2.4 war this year, pitched in 60 games, put up a sub-3 ERA. He's a guy who pitched really well. 
Yeah, Sosa is so interesting because, you know, he's 31 years old. And so if you're a team trading for him, you're trading for his, you know, next couple of years, essentially. And that's about it. And he has a whole lot of control because he didn't come to the big leagues till he was 29, you know, right at the end mm-hmm. of that 2019 season with the Rays. And, and that's why he ended up on waivers because the Rays called him up right at the end, put him on the 40-man roster. And then as the Rays always do, they need space and the Orioles claimed him. And, you know, it was such an up and down 2020. We found out he's pitching with the injury and he was really good. But, but the other thing with Salser is, you know, he's, he's not a closer. I think he's shown us that, you know, he did end up with eight saves, but he struggled in that role. He had fantastic eighth inning stats this year. I believe, you know, only walked like three batters in the eighth inning, had like a one ERA in the eighth this year. Mm -hmm. And I think other teams could see that as like, we could bring in Cole Sulcer for fairly cheap and have a really, really good sixth or seventh inning guy for, for a playoff team who, I mean, his, his changeup is an elite pitch. Opposing batters hit like 100 against his changeup this year. That is an elite wow. Major League Baseball pitch. The issue is, on the flip side for the Orioles, are you willing to dump him for you know what won't be a great return? Because he's still, at the end of the day, like a good middle reliever. It's not going to be mm-hmm. a, a really good return. Are you willing to trade him away when you know you have a guy you can count on with lots of years of control, and there's not a lot of pitchers the Orioles can count on? So. Yeah. I, I bet they might get a few offers. It'll be interesting to see how much Mike Elias just kind of values essentially making the bullpen and Brandon Hyde's life a little bit easier in 2022. Now, you just said that you would like to see the Orioles bring in a 7th or 8th inning reliever that Brandon Hyde can trust, who's been there, done that. What are your expectations for this offseason? In other words, if Connor Newcomb is a GM of the Baltimore Orioles, what is he doing this offseason? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I am taking a, a long, hard look at Anthony Santander and, and what can potentially happen with him. And I, I don't know if he's going to be an Oriole next year. But in terms of, of bringing in guys, um, I think first and foremost, I think you need, even before the other stabilizing presence, I think you need a left side of the infield veteran guy who is a step above the Freddie Galvis, Michael Franco. Agreed. And I would even be okay with bringing back Jose Iglesias. Mm-hmm. I think that could be a solid move for the Orioles on a one-year deal. You know, you pay him 4 or $5 million. You, you put him at shortstop or second or third or wherever you want to put him. He could play all those positions. And we know he's not going to hit like he did in 2020. But at least if he's healthy, you can get that shortstop defense that really the Orioles didn't get out of him in 2020 because he was hurt so much. He was DHing a lot that year and was in and out of the lineup. I think he'd be a perfect spot. And I think just – you know, the Orioles have so many question marks at all these infield positions, which obviously Paul and I talked about on our podcast episode last week. You know, it'd be nice to just have one guy in there who, between short, second, and third, you know will be in the lineup every day. And and Freddie Galvis was that to an extent, but I'd like just a better version of Galvis on the team. And besides that, you know, they need to, to spend major league money on a starting pitcher. Like, thank you, Matt Harvey, for somewhat resurrecting yourself into a major league average pitcher at times. We really appreciate that. But your two, you know, your three free agent starting pitchers can't be three minor league deals to Wade LeBlanc, Felix Hernandez throwing 80 miles an hour, and Matt Harvey. Right. I mean, it, it has to be better. And there are some, some guys out there who, you know, can definitely help the Orioles in that 5 to $10 million range for one or two years. And I think they need to do that because – you know, no matter how many young pitchers you have to try out, you know, you have the Wells and the Lowthers and the Aikens and, and Kramers and Bauman's and all these guys. And, you know, maybe Grayson Rodriguez and Braddish and D.L. Hall. 
you can't count on even five of those or four of them or three of them to work out in their first full major league season. Yeah. You need somebody behind them. The Orioles didn't have that this year, and that's why it looks so bad at the end. You just need a guy, even if he's a fifth starter or a fourth starter, they can just throw 200 innings. Yeah, no, you're, you're, they haven't had a guy throw 200 innings, and I can't remember the last time that it no, happened. I, I no. think it was maybe Chris Tillman in like 2013. It's been so long. And you're absolutely right, Connor. They, they tried that this year. They tried that this year saying, you know what, let's go with the guys that we have in-house and put them in the rotation and see what they can do. And it was a, a complete disaster. I do not think that you can go into 2022, even if you're not ready to contend yet. You can't go into this next season with the same mindset of, we're going to give these guys this opportunity. You need to get somebody that can, that can do this. They can get on, they can log innings, get you into the sixth inning, sometimes seventh or even eighth innings of a ball game, and keep your team playing meaningful baseball games. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, the other thing for Michael Elias is, like, you can leverage this into essentially buying prospects. I mean, you think about Jose Iglesias. Yep. They sign him to a one-year deal with the option – and, you know, they end up with Gene Pinto, who is, you know, quickly rising through the system, and Garrett Stallings. They essentially bought prospects, you know, signed Iglesias, and then traded him away. I mean, if you really want to look at it like that, you can too, and, and that does hurt because it means you're kind of looking to deal the guy at the deadline instead of having that stabilizing presence throughout the whole season. But maybe if you're lucky, you get a pitcher who can stabilize you until July, and then you figured out which of these young guys can really stick in the rotation behind John Means. And then you can trade, you know, that veteran pitcher. Or maybe you sign two of them, and, and one's a trade guy, and the other one's just a guy to be with you for all of 2022. You just, as you said, Paul, you just need a guy to be behind you, and that can't just be Matt Harvey. Because right. A, he's going to get injured like he did, and B, even at his best, it's not like Matt Harvey was dominant. You know, his best starts were six innings, no runs, and maybe one or two strikeouts. It was kind of more luck at times than, you know, looking like 2015 Matt Harvey. Right. And there's plenty of pitchers out there. I mean, you see the deals that guys like, you know, Rich Hill and Michael Waka are getting. They're not great pitchers, but, like, you know, teams like the Rays can bring them in for, for cheap, and, you know, they can just be at the end of the rotation. The Orioles could definitely use a couple of guys like that. They absolutely can. Now, getting back to the infield a little bit, um, you mentioned Freddie Galvis. You mentioned Jose Iglesias. A guy I've had my eye on for the last couple of seasons, and I think that his his um, his number has gone way down because his offense just was not there this past season, but the defense has always been elite, is Andrelton Simmons. I can I would love to see the Orioles give him two two to four million dollars to come in here and play you know really sound defense at shortstop sacrifice a little bit of the offense to get the defense there especially behind the young pitching staff. How do you feel about Andrelton Simmons? I think that he might be a likely guy for the Orioles this year. Yeah, I think he fits that mold that they're looking for as a as a veteran you know defense first guy who's obviously still a major league player you know despite uh, any type of you know offensive struggles. That he has had. And again, he's never been like an elite, you know, offensive player. He's had some much better years uh, than he's had, you know, year obviously in 2021 uh, when he struggled with the the Twins. But th- there's a couple of guys like that, and you know, we can talk all about how the dream scenarios that the Orioles say it's time to spend and they bring in Carlos Correa. But we know in our hearts that's not going to happen. Right. And there's there's even guys who seem like they would fit perfectly if the if the Orioles wanted to start moving in the positive direction. And, and guys they just will be outbid for, like a, a guy like a Chris Taylor or something. But I think, you know, Simmons could could work out. You stabilize that infield defense. You can put him at shortstop every day. Hey, you know, he's probably going to hit 
seventh through ninth in the lineup. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the Orioles have a a good enough lineup where, you know, if you put Simmons at the bottom there, that's okay to have him in there at at shortstop every single day, knowing you're going to get good defense. And maybe the bat does turn around a a little bit. And that's why I mentioned Iglesias as well. It's kind of the same kind of player profile, just with the, you know, knowing he's been with the Orioles already once and and it's worked out. And I I think a, a guy like that, would just be perfect. And again, it's going to have to be a major league deal and the Orioles haven't given out a lot of those major league deals, yeah. um, but they're going to have to start doing it this off season. They absolutely have to. I, I agree with you there. Um, and I think Iglesias could be a good fit too. That's another guy I wouldn't mind seeing. I wouldn't mind seeing Freddie Galvis back. Any of those three guys, I wouldn't mind seeing back on the left side of that Orioles infield. They're going to be playing next to somebody who's going to be playing third base. You and I talked a little bit about this with your uh, podcast last week. And, I think the, Gal- the Kelvin Gutierrez has the inside track uh, to being the Orioles' starting third baseman in 2022, at least to start the year. The bat came on in the last month. The defense and the strong arm were there uh, the entire time that he was here. You, on the other hand, think that he could potentially be a DFA candidate for the Orioles this offseason. Talk to us a little bit about Kelvin Gutierrez, his role on this team, and um, how you feel about him. Yeah, I, I, you know, he's an interesting player because, you know, I, I said this when we talked on, on my podcast, Paul, that you know, the Orioles haven't seen third-base defense that good since Manny Machado. Right. And, you know, when you first hear that, you're like, whoa, slow down. But then when you really think about who's played third-base since they traded Manny, it's not a very high bar to clear. But yeah. Gutierrez made some plays that, you know, had me thinking for a split second that when he came up from the dirt after a diving play, there was going to be 13 on his jersey instead of <laughs> instead of 82. He, uh, he made some solid plays over there. I really like his defense. And I will say, you know, he came on at the end of the year. His last couple of weeks, he hit really, really well. Hit over 300, had a home run, uh, had a 10-game hitting streak in there for the Orioles at the end of the season. But overall, his bat is not good. And we saw it for most of the year. That's a lot of the reason why Kansas City DFA'd him this season, is his bat is just not at the major league level consistently. When he gets hot... You know, his swing can be pretty at times, and he hits the ball pretty hard. But, uh, you know, the bat's just not there. And he's another one of these guys that the Orioles have claimed who does one thing really, really well, but just doesn't do enough things pretty well to be a consistent Major League player. And that's why they were on waivers, and that's why the Orioles had a chance to claim them. And, you know, I do think if the Orioles were to go out and spend a little bit of money on an infielder on a one- or two-year deal, Gutierrez could be one of the guys that they would potentially look at 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 taking off the 40-man roster. But, again, at the end of the day, if they're going to value defense more than they have the last couple of years, I think it's okay to start with Gutierrez at third. The thing is, if you're going to start Gutierrez at third, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I think I'd be okay because of the defense, you then have to make sure you have a legitimate shortstop at short, a major league player like an Iglesias that we talked about, and you have to have Ramon Arias at second and and hope that he can hit like he did this year. So you're at least getting offense with obviously Mount Castle at first as well. You're getting offense around the infield that is, you know, enough to, you know, at least overtake what Gutierrez can be at the plate, which is kind of a, a black hole at the bottom of the lineup. Yeah, no, you're, I think it's a fair assessment. It's a fair assessment on Gutierrez. You can't be fooled by what he did in September uh, with the bat. But I do think he's going to get a look. I'm not sure that he's going to be a DFA candidate. But the Orioles have DFA guys in the past that I was surprised to see get DFA. So yeah. and they have to make a lot of space on this roster. He could be one of those guys. Maybe similar to Yomer Sanchez in spring training this past year. Just kind of a surprising DFA that the Orioles could make. I, I think Gutierrez is one of those guys that's really on the verge and will come down to – 
how he plays in spring training. I think that's going to be be what it is for him. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how that goes with Gutierrez. I think that the Orioles want to take a look at him. But I, sure. again, stranger things have happened. I do want to talk to you a little bit, Connor, about the Orioles outfield because they have a lot of guys. Right, the, uh, Cedric Mullins is your center fielder. You have Austin Hayes playing either left field or right field, and then who do you have? You have Santander, who you don't think is going to be, who you think could possibly not even be an Oriole next year. Kyle Stowers and Robert Newstrom are knocking on the door. Who's going to be the Orioles' starting outfield in 2022? I think on opening day, Mullins and Hayes obvious choices. I think Hayes will end up in right field next year most of the time, and. I don't know what's going to happen, but I really don't think Santander is going to be an Oriole. And I think there's multiple cases of what could happen. I've talked about this on my podcast multiple times. You know, whether it's a non-tender, if they really went that way, whether it's a trade for, for not a lot of value back, I just feel like the Orioles maybe feel that it's run its course. And because guys are knocking on the door, I mean, I could potentially see the Orioles starting the year in the outfield with, with Mullins, with Hayes, and... You know, I think McKenna is going to be on that opening day roster. And, you know, if a Santander goes and if a DJ Stewart goes, which definitely has potential, you know, there's always the thought that they could get rid of Santander, bring in a, a different kind of older outfielder on a one-year deal, and basically have him supplant that third spot until, you know, a Stowers is ready because I think he is rising quickly and I think he's going to be in the big league sooner than you think. And you got to remember, you know, the Orioles haven't given up on Yusniel Diaz yet. He is still in that conversation. He's in Arizona right now. He's still on the 40-man roster. And I think if they still believe in him even 1%, they're going to want him in the big leagues next year. And I think the other thing is Santander is just kind of blocking these guys without enough production to, you know, make it a good decision to to keep him on the roster. So I could see the Orioles just bringing in a guy to kind of bridge the gap to the, the guys like Stowers and others. And here's the other thing. I know it looked horrendous last year, and I was one of the biggest opponents of continuing to put him out there. But if the Orioles do bring back Trey Mancini for one final year, which I hope that they do, I wouldn't count out Ryan Mountcastle getting another chance in left field. That's a bold statement, man. I, yeah. I feel like they've moved on from that. That that you you think that that that, that uh, experiment isn't over yet? Yeah, I I just think it went so poorly early this year. After honestly, I thought it went fine in 2020. I thought he wasn't great, but I thought it went fine out there in 2020. Mm-hmm. I thought it went so poorly in 2021. And remember, that coincided with his really slow start offensively this year when he was in left field. And the Orioles may have thought, like, this is taking a toll on him trying to learn this position. Let's just put him back at first, and uh, we'll we'll figure it out. And, you know, he started to hit again. I don't think it's over just because he is so athletic. He is faster than he should be for a first baseman. He came up as a shortstop. Left field is the easiest position to learn on the Major League Baseball diamond. I think he should be able to figure it out. And I think if he buys in at all, Think about what the Orioles could do if Mountcastle became just a major. I mean, you think about the Houston Astros. They're headed to the World Series right now. Mm-hmm. Jordan Alvarez plays a good amount of left field. He's not great out there. He is a large body. He does not move well. But they put him out there in ALCS games. They're going to play him out there, especially when they go uh, to you know either L- L.A. or Atlanta in the World Series. He's going to play out there. 
just to me, if he can play out there, Mountcastle can figure it out. And if you think about it this way, if you've got Mullins in center, Hayes in right, and you can put Mountcastle in left, now you have Trey Mancini, he can play first. Then, you know, come 2022, even 2023, even if Mancini is gone or if he's back, you open up first base and DH, that opens up so, so much more for your offense. For guys who the Orioles like, who are maybe, you know, big-time hitters who maybe don't have a position in the field or, you know, they're outfielders who don't play it well or they're first base slash DH guys. If you can just open up with Mountcastle and Mancini on the team, one of those first base and DH slots, it gives you so much more lineup flexibility. And I just think Mountcastle is too athletic, too good of an athlete, he played shortstop when he when he was coming up the you know and, and I know it wasn't great over there but that's what he was drafted as a shortstop. I just think there's still a chance he could do it. Yeah, no, you you make a compelling argument. We'll see how how that goes. I think that the that the experiment with him in left field is done. I think that they look at him as their everyday first baseman. But if you have Trey Mancini back, you got you're not just going to DH him every day, especially when you have other bats you want to get in the lineup. So we'll see. It, it, it's it's like I said, you make a compelling argument for it. Um, real quick, because we're up against it here, Connor. Um, Major League Baseball playoffs. Astros headed to another World Series. Did you have any rooting interest in that series? Yes, I was cheering for the Astros. I wasn't happy about it, but I just can't see Boston fans being happy. I, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. And I, there's not a lot of great rooting interest, to be honest, between the final four teams that were left in the championship series. I think I'm at the point where I hope whoever wins the NL wins the World Series. Um, but it was kind of a tough Final Four teams. But, again, there's only about four or five players left on that Astros team that were on the 2017 team, so that makes it a little bit easier. And, uh, you know, Dusty Baker makes it a little bit easier. I I was pulling for the Astros. Yeah, I think that Dusty Baker was the reason. And like you said, uh, they're in the AL East. I can't root for the Red Sox. I just can't bring myself to do it. There's no feel-good story for me there. The Astros, at least Dusty Baker, has that compelling story. Now, Braves-Dodgers... Look, man, this happened last year, right? Braves went up 2-0, lost Game 3. They went up 3-1, lost Game 5. Dodgers ended up winning Game 6 and 7. They're in the same situation right now. I think that if the Braves don't win the game tonight, that they're, that they're cooked. Uh, how do you feel about that? Do you think the Braves can hang on and pull this thing out? I think the Braves can. They've just played so much better in this series. Their offense has been better. I mean, you know, the Dodgers' offense went – away until essentially game five when they broke out and then really it was Chris Taylor you know hitting three home runs and uh you know with the Max Scherzer news and him not starting and having a dead arm and you know he may not he's probably not going to pitch the rest of the series and now they're going Walker Bueller on short rest and you know the the Braves have two good starting pitchers and Anderson and Morton on regular rest for game six and seven I just think they have the pieces to get there and it's crazy to think about but you know, Acuna is out. He is a top-five player in baseball. And despite that, the Braves might be the healthiest team left in the playoffs, which is is unbelievable to think about with their best player out. But they kind of have the rest of the team there and and somewhat clicking. And I, I think I think this is the year. I picked this at the beginning of the playoffs, my, the Braves, to, to be the World Series winner, and, and I'm, I'm going to stick with it. Yeah, I, I, for one, am pulling for the Braves. I, I was a big fan of the Me Braves in, in the 90s because they were always on TV. I said uh, on Glenn's show the other day that Chipper Jones was the first player that I remember watching him in his rookie year 
and watching his entire career. Like, I don't remember mm-hmm. Griffey. I don't remember a lot of those guys because I was too young. But I remember watching Chipper Jones in his rookie year in 1995 and watching his entire career. They haven't been to the World Series since 99. They haven't, they've only won, they only won the one in 95. The Braves are the team. They're the team I'm pulling for. And I think a lot of people will probably agree with that. Connor. Excellent, excellent segment today, man. Really enjoyed getting the chance to talk with you extensively about the Orioles, a little bit about the playoffs there. Thank you so much for joining our program. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Oh, absolutely. And real quick, before we let you go, uh, is there anything you want to plug for us? Uh, just the, the report card grades for the Orioles players will be coming out on the podcast over the next couple of weeks. Again, the podcast is called Locked on Orioles. You can get it wherever you listen to podcasts. And it's it's every morning, Monday through Friday, a uh, new episode. Only podcast out there where uh, – you can hear about the Orioles exclusively uh, every single day. That's awesome. And people can follow you at Locked on Orioles on Twitter. Is that the, is that the handle? And at Connor Newcomb? Yep, at Locked on Orioles on Twitter and at Connor Newcomb underscore on Twitter as well. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, man. We'll talk soon, all right? Yep. All right, that was Connor Newcomb from the Locked on Orioles podcast. Man, he's good. He's good, right? Uh, he, he's one of the best. He, yeah. His voice, by the way, is perfect. it's just perfect. You, you cannot get a better radio you all or podcast see, voice. If you're watching us on Facebook, you should see Zach's face right now. He's he's he's. Ex- uh, I'm look. He's still on the line. That's why I'm looking. So I'm just gonna go. Uh, I'm just gonna go thank him, and I will be back. All right. Uh, once again, this season, Pro- Press Box's Project Game Day is the destination at halftime and post game for every Baltimore football game. You want to talk about the game without all the nonsense, coach speak, and fluff of your typical show? Tune in to Project Game Day. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime, and he's once again joined post game by your favorite analysts like the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Ken Zalis, and more. Rita joins Glenn tomorrow after the first divisional game of the year. Watch the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports and listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. Pressbox's Project Game Day. Every game day presented by Glory Days Grill. Glenn Clark is also, he's one of the hardest working men in all of sports. The Tyus Bowser Show is headed your way this season. Join the Baltimore linebacker and his special guest teammates at various locations around town. The reason I mention Glenn is Glenn hosts that show with Tyus Bowser. Yes. Uh, with your chance. <clears throat> Are you okay? Well, I don't know what's, what's going on with my Would you like me right to do now? your live reads for you, Paul? <clears throat> I think I can make it happen. No, I, I, think, I, I think I got it. I think okay. I got it. So okay. join the Baltimore linebacker and his special guest teammates at various locations around town with your chance to get pictures and autographs and hear everything that needs to be said before and after games. If you can't make it out, you can watch the shows live at Facebook.com sports or listen to them the next day. The Tyus Bowser Show is brought to you by Great Eights Memorabilia and Pressbox. Find out more at pressboxonline.com slash Bowser or at greateightsmemorabilia.com. That's great, the number eight, the letter S, memorabilia.com. Next Tyus Bowser Show is a private show this Tuesday at the Center Club, but be sure to join us Tuesday, November 16th at Mother's Intimonium. And coming November 2nd, you can meet legendary kicker Justin Tucker for free just by donating canned goods to Harvest of Hope. Find out more at GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. Again, that's great, the number eight, the letter S, Memorabilia.com. we got to get a break. When we come back, sounding off with Zach Goodman and Orioles Banter. What's up, everybody? This is Tyus Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Tyus Bowser Show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out PressboxOnline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. (laughs) 
Glory Days Grill's popular Oktoberfest menu is back, and it features their delicious chicken schnitzel, two chicken cutlets, hand-breaded in herb panko, and pan-fried until golden brown, served with mustard cream sauce, mashed potatoes, and roasted vegetables. Their menu also includes your favorites, like the Oktoberfest Brewer's Platter, Brewer's Sausage Sandwich, Prussian Pretzel Rolls, Slam Dunk Pretzels, and Apple Cobbler. All of these meals pair well with their many Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on drag. Dine on their patios or in their dining room, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill has been proud to serve the community for the last 25 years. Thank you, fans. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Mike Ashley dives in on 20 seasons for Brenda Freeze as the head coach of the Maryland women's basketball team as she looks back but also looks forward. Plus, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from every D1 program in the area. And the very first Baltimore interview with Elijah Green, the son of former Raven Eric Green, who could well be the Orioles' pick with the number one spot in next year's MLB draft. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around, and we kicked off a new era of Glenn Clark Radio this week as the Bat Around's own host, Paul Valley, took over as the show's co-captain. The show remains the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Grizzlies rookie and former Loyola star Santi, Santi Aldama, I believe I said that correctly. Santi, Am I right? Santi Aldama. Sa- Santi Aldama. Uh, Towson football coach Rob Ambrose and former NFL general manager Randy Mueller. Find those interviews and more today in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Yeah, Santi Aldama, um, what, probably the, the greatest basketball player in the history of Loyola University. Okay. Uh, first round draft pick by the Memphis Grizzlies this past summer. We, we were just talking basketball and I told you I'm not a big basketball guy. I'm not a big basketball guy either. Yeah. But... but Santi Aldama is a big deal around here. I, yeah, I guess I root for the Wizards if there would be anyone, and the Wizards are off to a 2-0 start, but I don't really care. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, really I don't really care if you, that. You can't that, make me care. I, I, Gun to know, my head, you can't make yeah, me care. I, they they just don't really. There's no. Te- if there was a team in Baltimore, I'd be so on it. I'd be such a big NBA fan. Yeah. I just I just don't really. We care. all would be right. Right. Yeah. I feel like everyone kind of would be. But I w- with having a team only in DC is our closest team. Um, but I do like the guys that are. I, I love Spencer Dimwit. He's a lot of fun. Bradley Beal's a really good player. I mean, there are some exciting players on on the Wizards. So maybe I'll try to watch a little more this year. Yeah, we'll I always we'll, tell we'll myself I'm going to try and watch more. Them. I'm gonna try and watch yeah. more hockey, and then I just never do. I'm hoping that the, that my new role with Glenn on Glenn Clark Radio will make me watch these sports more. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for my other job, I do do a lot of watching. Do. Uh, I, I do, yeah. Well, I do do a lot of watching of the NBA and NHL. So I'm kind of, uh, you know, I guess you could say. Um, I'm I'm more enticed to watch it than I would be normally. That's that's the way I'll say it. So yeah. it, and, and the Wizards, like I said, definitely a more exciting team this year than they have been in the past. Um, although, you know, we won't get into too much basketball discussion here. But I I do, I do not know who uh, who Santi is. So I, I guess I'm not really that big of a fan. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean he he played at Loyola. He played at Loyola. First round draft pick out of Loyola. Okay. Uh, yeah. Now, now that's cool. Now look. We're not taking anything away from it. It's a big deal. It's a huge deal for to have a guy taken in the first round of the NBA who came out of a school that's literally right down the street. Sure. Right? And thirtieth um, overall pick. Now there's only two rounds in the NBA draft. So and and thirtieth round pick. That's a developmental player. Mm-hmm. But uh, not thirtieth round. The thirtieth pick overall. overall. That's a that's a developmental player. But it's a big deal. It's a big deal it's for awesome. him. It's a big deal for the university. It's 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 a it's a great thing. That's happened for him and for this area. Now, we're going to talk a lot. This has been more Orioles-centric than we have been in the postseason to this point. However, you're going to do a little bit of sounding off right now because you're pretty, you're still pretty fired up about Mike Schilt being fired. Yeah, I, look, I, I I remember doing a similar sounding off when Tony Larusa took over as the manager of the White Sox, and I see this as the exact same situation. The manager is always the scapegoat. I don't know why that is because I always feel like manager. They have an effect of the, on the game, of course. There's a lot of in-game decisions, and I think especially when the postseason hits is when they have a massive effect. But if you look at Mike Schilt's resume and what he did for the Cardinals, I don't see any way where Mike Schilt deserved to be fired for someone else who they're going to bring in now who, again, probably not going to do that much better of a job. Look what happened when LaRusa took over the White Sox. Did they get that much farther than what they had previously? No. They lost in the playoffs again like they had you know, in the, the first ba- round. In the, in the first round again. Um, and, and when LaRusa took over, everyone said, oh, you know, there were some mixed opinions on that. Of course, we didn't like it because LaRusa's a guy who has a, you know, not so uh, great recent past, we should say, some DUIs and everything. He got in a little bit of trouble. But outside of that, you bring in a manager who was not really into the whole analytics thing. He's not really new school at all. He's completely old school. So I look at this the same way. You're, I don't know who they're going to bring in here. I have no idea who the Cardinals are going to hire. But Mike Schilt is a guy who, you know, he had a 90-win season this year, 91 wins in 2019. Um, He had winning records in both 2018 and 2020. Obviously, he took over a little later in 2018 than 2020. It was a shortened season, but still, winning records under both of of those seasons. So that's four seasons for Mike Schilt and four winning records. Again, uh, 90 90 wins, 91 wins. These are are good teams that Mike Schilt's putting together and Mike Schilt's leading. Um, you know, I, I get it. They haven't won a World Series, but every team can only win one year, right? You can only win the World Series. It's just it goes to one team every year, you know. And they haven't gotten there. I get that too. They, you know, the Cardinals haven't been the Dodgers, where they're or the Astros, where they're there three times in five years. 
But you just you can't look at the manager and say he's the problem. The, the manager is clearly not the problem. The problem is, for me, for the Cardinals, that you just don't have enough. You just don't have enough to get past and over the hump. And that's the same thing with the White Sox. Look at what the Dodgers have built. Look at what the Astros have built. And tell me you're as good as them. You're just not. The Cardinals have not built a good enough team to get to the World Series. But it's not Mike Schilt's fault at all. It's it, you know it's the front office's fault, and they need to add more. If you build a super team like the Dodgers, you'll get back there. Well, the the thing with and Dusty Baker said this last night. Um, he said he feels very fortunate to have managed so many teams, mm-hmm. but he also thinks there's jobs he didn't deserve to lose because he was winning. Mm-hmm. Mike Schilt was winning exactly in, in, in St. Louis. Now they they cited philosophical differences right for, for why uh, they let him go. It could be something as as simple as, look, man, I, I'm, I'm not exactly John Smoltz here, mm-hmm. but I'm in the same ballpark as John Smoltz, where I believe a lot in the eye test, in passing the eye test, and there's sure. there's all these sabermetrics and analytics that I just, cool, do what you want to do, run your team on a computer. If you want to run your team on a computer, mm-hmm. that's not for me. I want to watch a ball player and say that guy has it because there's something that you can't quantify just by watching a, a baseball. Player. Are you saying this personally or from Mike Schilt's perspective? I, I'm saying it from my perspective. Okay, so I understand that maybe Mike Schilt has a same, may have a similar a, a similar yeah. air to him. Yeah, and if the if the ast- and I I brought this up. I I alluded to Moneyball, where Art Howe continuously puts Carlos Pena at first base. Mm-hmm. And Billy Bean, Brad Pitt's, Brad Pitt's character, keeps saying, I don't want him at first base. I want Hatterberg at first base. To the point where he ends up trading Carlos Pena mm-hmm. based on analytics. And the manager's saying, I want to run this team the best way that I can with the talent that you've given me. Mm-hmm. And th- Billy, Bean's, Billy Bean is trying to run the team on a computer. Uh, it could just be that the, that the Cardinals are trying to tell him who they want in the lineup based on this, based on that, based on on the other. And he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. And he doesn't want to do it. He he wants to do he wants to run the team. He wants to manage the team the way that he sees fit. And they're like, "Look, we want this. And if you're not giving us this, then we'll find somebody that will." And that could be all that it is. I think he's a good manager. I think he's going to get a job in baseball. I think it sucks what happened to him. Mm-hmm. But if he's not willing to do the things that the Cardinals are asking him to do, mm-hmm. He can't be there. I I disagree and I agree at the same time. I think based on his record and what he's done for the team, I think he has every right to be there. But if he isn't, you know, acclimating to the analytical side of baseball and trying to make an effort to appease the Cardinals in their analytical efforts, then I would agree that maybe there needs to be change. But I just still can't see firing a guy who has led you to four winning seasons and four seasons as manager. No, it's it, it's a, it's a bad look, right? But if they bring in Rick Renneria or if they bring in Buck Showalter, for example, they bring that, in that would be an even worse look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if, if they bring back, yeah, Buck would be an even worse look for that particular. If the, if the reason they got rid of analytics um, is what it is, yeah. But if they bring in another manager and he takes him from ninety-one wins or ninety wins to ninety-eight wins. And they get to the NLCS, sure. th- then how does it look? That would be a considerable difference. But I, yeah. I just don't know if with at, without adding more talent, you can actually do that. I, I think there's a big question mark there. And I think, again, what you saw with the White Sox and Tony La Russa is a really, really good example of just, 
the White Sox aren't the Astros. They don't have the talent of the Astros. Therefore, they haven't made three World Series in five years. The Astros have. That's the difference. You know, it, it, to me, it's, it's a lot more about talent than it is what your manager can actually do. Mike Schilt was clearly, I think, doing a good job. And there were a lot of players, I guess, who were probably very surprised by this. Mike Schilt was very surprised by this. Everything is just a little bit weird here. And I, I, the Cardinals are not a team to kind of be a bad look. You know, they, they're, they're never the team that everyone's saying, oh, why do they do that? That's not the Cardinals. Yeah, they're, no, they're, they're, they're very proud they're, franchise. They're almost like the Baltimore Ravens, for example, where everything is done really well, and they're always winning, and they're always competitive, and there's everyone has a lot of respect for them. The, the St. Louis Cardinals, everybody talks about how... the, the You hear Bruce Cunningham say every Saturday, mm-hmm. the Orioles want to be the Tampa Bay Rays. I, I said this last I wanna week. I want to be the Cardinals. I want to be the Cardinals. Yes. I want to be the Cardinals. I want to be a, an organization that does it the right way, S- from top to bottom, yeah. sustained success. Yep. I think if you were to... Add, <clears throat> If you got Mike Elias behind closed doors mm-hmm. and it was off the record and you said, which team do you want to identify with the most? I would be I would not be surprised to hear him say the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, they, look, they, they, they don't spend a ridiculous amount of money. They and, spend where they need to. Right. They win. Right. And they, they, they win year in and year out. Like the Baltimore Ravens. Very yeah. similar. Yeah, Very, that, that's, uh, that's who... Right. That's who you should want to be. And they're just efficient with the money they spend. And I, that's one of the things I, I criticized the Yankees for earlier this year, that I don't believe the Yankees are efficient at all in the way they spend. They spend just wildly. The, you know, the Aaron Hicks extension with seven years. Uh, these things, the Yankees are not efficient with the contracts they give out. The St. Louis Cardinals are maybe among the most efficient. And the Dodgers are very good with this as well as for being efficient. They make it count. They make every contract they give out. They get every dollar's worth of it. And the Yankees don't do that. The, the you know maybe there are a lot of teams really that don't do that but the Cardinals do it and it's, they do it well. It's looking like Aaron Boone's going to keep his job. Well, he got a three year extension. He got a three year extension. He did. He did. When? Uh that was earlier this week. How? How the hell did I? How the I, hell did so, Glenn and I both miss this? So then uh, Brian Brian Cashman came out and he said this. I'm going to quote it because actually I, I tweeted a uh, a gif from Saturday Night Live GIF. about this. G- no, it's gif. No, no, the guy who created it. T- says it's, it's a GIF. I really, it's a GIF. But that that reminds anyway. me of like the peanut butter. Yeah, that doesn't matter. <laughs> just reminds you of the peanut butter. I don't. They're there and there. I don't care if it reminds you of the peanut butter. That's what it's called. It's a GIF. Anyway, so October nineteenth, Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone is the solution. He isn't the problem. So the the GIF I tweeted was uh, Keenan Thompson from SNL going. That's very nice. It's wrong, but it's very nice because it's wrong. I mean, Aaron Boone is not a good manager. I don't know how many times we have to say this for it to be for you know for anybody to believe us, but he is not a good manager. The guy inherits a two hundred million dollar payroll. Right. With Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, uh, uh, Glaber Torres, uh, he he get, he has uh, DJ LeMahieu, he has Garrett Cole, he has um, what's his name? I, I I hate him so much I forgot his name. Oh, I I, I was looking Arrolles, for this. Arrolles, Arrolles Arrolles Chapman. Chapman, yeah. Sure. Now look, I get Luis Severino hasn't been there, and they've had to go to the scrap heap for starting pitching. Why are you going to the scrap heap for starting pitching? Get some starting pitching on your roster. They maybe, never do. They never and, do. And they they got Garrett Cole, but Garrett Cole's one man. He's just one man. Like, like, <laughs> that's not enough. No, like, like, it, it isn't enough. It's not enough for your starting rotation. So I understand where they're coming from from that standpoint that they haven't provided mm-hmm. him. They provided him with a ton of talent, with a ton of talent, but the rotation hasn't had it. But 
I could go manage the New York Yankees and they'd win 90 games. So what's even funnier about this is there's actually a club option for 2025. So this could end up being a four-year deal, um, where you man it, which is just now look a, a, an extension. It doesn't mean anything, right? B- because it makes your manager feel better. Mm-hmm. It makes him feel like he has job security. Still can get fired, but sure. he, they could fire him two weeks into the season if the Yankees start zero and thirteen. But, but the, right? com- the comment by Cashman to say he's the solution, not the problem. But hasn't that been proven wrong? Because yeah. the Yankees haven't made it to a World Series since '09. The Yankees have watched another team celebrate in front of them every year. Yeah, since two thousand nine. So tell me how Aaron Boone isn't the problem. And I mean, I, I also think the I Yankees need to add pitching. The, the Yankees one hundred percent need to add pitching, and they. Their bullpen's getting older, mm-hmm. you know, so it's it's and and so are their players, and they they have a big problem on their hands because Aaron Judge is coming up. Yes, they're gonna have to pay that man, and, it's and, they're, be... and they're already paying Stanton. They gave Hicks stupid money for some <laughs> stupid reason. Yeah, um, they don't have a great catcher. No, uh, Higashioka is is not bad, but I wouldn't say he's a top catcher in the he league. Hit, he hit sub two hundred. Did he? He hit sub two hundred. Great defender though. Great, Excellent great, defender. Great defender. Um, and and. What you're getting out of Gary Sanchez, two twenty this year. Gary Sanchez is a bad baseball player. Yeah, it's like, simple as that. He's a, he's yeah. a really and he and, and can't gonna, throw, can't catch. I, I'm going to tell you right now, one of their best players is Gio Urshela. Glaber Torres fell off a cliff. Yeah, uh, and I I still believe Glaber will get back. I I have a feeling Glaber is he's young. He's just too good. You he's know, he's young. He's so talented. He he hasn't had a good year since 2019. I mean, That's he hasn't true. played well since 2019. That's at, true. at what point is it? He's too good, or maybe he's not as good as we thought he was. Well, it, it's like you look at Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich, those two guys that you know just really fell off these these past uh, you know two years. And Glaber's, Glaber doesn't get talked about probably because he's a Yankee, people give him a pass, but he's in the same boat as those two guys. The, the, but the the difference there is Christian Yelich fractured his kneecap. He did injury, and, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and that's I expected better out of him this year, mm-hmm. and the, and he's two years removed from that injury. But he, he he fractured his freaking kneecap. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I, I, on, yeah. on, on his yeah. plant leg. Mm-hmm. L- like so that that's that's hard. Um, and then uh, Cody Bellinger had off season shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. He broke his leg April fifth. Yeah, coming back from that is gonna be hard. Now look, he came back and he played okay. Mm-hmm. And then September he had f- he had four hits in the month of September. Yeah. Uh, what he's doing in the postseason has been otherworldly. He's been great. Yeah, he's been great. I, I, yeah, he's been, he has. And that's why I, I said I said before the postseason was I said as the postseason was starting, I turned to my wife and I said, Cody Bellinger is going to win Comeback Player of the Year next year. Uh, I, I have. I wouldn't hate to see it. I love Cody Bellinger. I do and too. That, the, I love his swing. It gets long. It gets long at times, but I love Cody Bellinger. I think he's a hell of a ball player. Christian Yelich, I'm a little. What the hell happened? But, See, that's but, more me with Bellinger. I'm a little more what the hell happened with Bellinger. But the, the injuries can fall. kind of explain those things away. Sure. Gl- Glaber Torres, he just stopped producing. Right. Just fell off a cliff. Right. Right? And, and uh, So you, maybe he fell off a cliff in the offseason and he forgot how to hit. I, I, don't, think, I, don't I, I think if Glaber Torres just played 162 games against the Baltimore Orioles, then he would oh, be well, the best of, player in baseball. Uh, there, <laughs> but you could take about out of, uh, you know, what is it, like 776 players? That sounds about yeah, right. Uh, or 730 players. Or eighty, seven hundred eighty players. You could take seven hundred of them and have them play the Baltimore Orioles one hundred and sixty-two times, and they would end up being the best player in that's baseball. Probably true. Yeah, like th- th- that's, that's that's not a good measure. I'm, I'm going to check your math right here, Paul. Well, we're we're going to check on this, but not. So I, se- I think se- you're about right. Seven hundred eighty players is how many uh, active Major League Baseball players on a given day? Because it's twenty-six man rosters. Right. There you go. Yeah, seven hundred eighty. Um, 
Wow, that was that was really quick math. I'm really good at mental math. That dude. was that was wild. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, you figure that you figure that even if you don't know the 26 times three is is 78. You oh, because add the zero. You, you, oh, you, look at you. Okay. You know that 25 times three is se- is tw- 200. True. The 25 times 30 is 750. And then each player, each team got an, each of the 30 teams got one extra player. 26. So add 30 to the 750. That's 780. I, yeah, that's that's pretty smart. That's pretty smart. I, yeah. I think uh, I need to go back to like fifth grade or something to, to figure I don't, that one out. I don't, I'm like Rain Man when it comes to mental yeah. math. But uh, but only with like addition, subtraction, division, and multiplication. <laughs> I'm, like, fra- I'm like Rain Man when it comes to mental math. That's uh, we should we should put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, that, that's, that, that should be that should be a sound <laughs> clip yeah. that we have at the beginning of the show. I'm like Rain Man in one of our promos. No, look. Uh, I'm just. The Yankees, Aaron Boone, uh, sure, give him give him three years. If he doesn't, if if the Yankees don't get, don't don't get back to the playoffs, or if they don't get to a World Series this coming year, I have a hard I have a hard time believing that he's that he deserves to be back this year. But I also think that they're going to go out and sign Carlos Correa, mm. and maybe even another shortstop to play third base. Although they do like Gio Urshela, and I also think that they're going to go sign starting pitcher. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, or two. I, or four. I, I hate to say it because I really like him and I know you love him. Marcus Stroman seems like a Yankee to me. Oh God, he just seems like a Yankee. I, I he's played in the AL East for you know with the Blue Jays for a while, and he just seems like a guy to me that fits in the AL East so well. He's such a good competitor, and the Yankees love those kind of guys. I think he's a Yankee. Do you see that fire escape? Uh, the, I do the see the fire. You want to throw me down it? No, no. If if Marcus Stroman becomes a New York Yankee, I will seriously consider diving headfirst off of that that fire escape. Wow, uh, that's, that's uh, kind of seems a little dangerous. Yeah, yeah. That's that's, <laughs> a bit that's dangerous. a point, man. I, I, Marcus Stroman. It never even occurred to me that he might. I think it did a, a few months ago. Marcus Stroman to the Yankees. I would I, I would hate it. But doesn't I, it, doesn't I like it, the guy. I love it, the guy. Doesn't it kind of make sense though? If you think about it, the way he's such a competitor, and the Yankees need pitching, and he's not going to break the bank. He's not. He, he's an expensive guy, but he's not going to break the bank. He's yeah. not going to be Carlos Correa money, and I personally, I think Trevor Story is the guy for them. I really think Trevor Story. I can see that fits so well because of he just he just looks like a Yankee. He looks like a Yankee. You know, he's kind of he's just got that kind of Yankee look and feel to him. He's almost like a, a very similar player to Glaber Torres in a lot of ways. Um, before Glaber Torres fell off, obviously, but. I they're they're gonna make a play at all five of those shortstops, including Marcus Semien. Yeah. They, I, might get, they might get two of them. They could. Oh, 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 that would Look, be. We have spent almost a half an hour in sounding off. We have, but we, we we have, but it's our show. We have we have time. We can we do whatever we want. Yeah, we we can do whatever we want. We do want to do this. We want to talk about the forty man roster. Yes, and look, and this is all from Rockabaco. Like the Orioles need to make room. For a number, they're down to 35 after the moves they made this morning. If you missed it, they outrighted um, Pat Valeka, Thomas Eshelman, and, and we have to remember it's Thomas Eshelman, not Tom. He goes by mm-hmm. Thomas now. Thomas Eshelman and Connor Connor Green Connor Connor Wade, Wade. Connor Wade. Um, so they're down to 35. They need to make room for Keegan Aiken, Hunter Harvey, Jorge Lopez, Jorge Mateo, and potentially DJ Stewart coming off the aisle. That's five guys right there. So let's just kind of go through. And just say the guys that we don't think fit on this well, roster. Well, 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 oh, you got more guys to go. Okay. More guys. Sure. Then also from Rockabaco, players eligible to be taken in, the, in this year's Rule 5 draft that they need to add to the roster. D.L. Hall, mm. Kyle Bradish, Kevin Smith, Taryn Vavra, Adam Hall, Robert Newstrom, and also Patrick Dorian, Blaine Knight, Cody Sedlock, Felky Peralta, and Nick Vespi. Ugh, God. That's so a lot of players. That's that's a lot of players. That's, that's what is it, 11 players right there? Now, yeah. so... Let's look at some of these guys. Adam Hall, 
I can see them leaving him unprotected. I have no confidence Adam Hall's protected. There's no way. Yeah, There's just uh, no way. Adam Adam Hall, nobody's going to take him. No. Nobody's I mean, taking it, that guy it, in the roll five. Right. If he had played well at high A, maybe a slight chance, but even then, probably not. Yeah, Nick Vespi might be left unprotected. They're not. I doubt it. I, I doubt he's taken. Cody Sedlock they left unprotected last year, and he didn't get taken. He's he's not going to be taken either. Yeah. yeah. So so Vespi Sedlock Hall probably can be left off the forty man yeah, roster. Definitely. Right? Uh, Adam Hall. You have to add DL Hall, of course. Kyle Bradish, Kevin Smith, Taron Vavra, Robert Newstrom, Blaine Knight, Ofelki Peralta, and Patrick Dorian. Yeah. Eight guys. Yep. You have to add those guys. DJ Stewart, I would not be surprised to see him DFA'd. Goodbye. He's yeah. gone. He's gone. You I, think, do you, it, you it, think so? I'm I'm like 95% confidence DJ Stewart is gone in some capacity, whether it's a trade or a DFA. Yeah. So you, uh, let's assume that you can take him off the roster, right? Um, Keegan Aiken, you're keeping him, so that's nine. He's Hun- the, yeah. Hunter Harvey, that's an interesting one. I think he sticks around. I really think I. I don't. I, if I were the Orioles GM, I. I would. I would get rid of him. But I think Michael Elias sticks. Uh, sticks with him for w- maybe one more one, year. One more year. So that's ten guys. Jorge Lopez. This is very interesting. I think he'll stick. Okay. <laughs> I, very interesting. I think. All right. Moving on. No, <laughs> no. Jorge Lopez. Look. The people got on me, because. I, I I said you don't need to see what you have in him out of the bullpen, because like well. He he's pitched better. He's pitched well out of the bullpen before, but ultimately fell apart. Right. He was a reliever to start his career. Mm-hmm. It, like he's had a ton of time yeah. in the bullpen in for the Royals in in their organization. Right. Sure. You want to take a look at him? That's uh, I guess that's uh, so that's, that's sure that's twelve guys you're yeah. gonna, that you're going to hang on to him that you're going to hang on to Jorge Lopez being the twelfth. If they got rid of him, it wouldn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. But I, I think they're going to keep him. I think they're going to keep him. Jorge I, I, Mateo, definitely. So that's yep. that's 13 guys right there. So yep. you're looking at 13 guys that you have to get onto your roster, that you have to make room for. So you have to, get rid, of, you have to get rid of eight other guys. You're down to 35 right now. Let's you have to it. get rid of eight other guys. So, right? so you, I'm looking at the Orioles' 40-man roster right now. Fernando well. Abad, he's going to elect free agency. Goodbye. So, Go uh, Matt Harvey's going to elect free agency, too. Um, I, I, Chris, Chris Ellis, gone. No, no, he pitched well. I think Chris Ellis stays. I, I would, for, isn't there? Don't the Ravens have a Chris Ellis? Mm, no, Justin Ellis. D- Justin Ellis. Thank you. Uh, I'm thinking of Chris Smith. Um, Chris Ellis. I think he. I actually, I think he definitely stays. He pitched really I agree. well. He, he's going to stay. He pitched really well. Paul Fry. <sighs> wow, this is this is so tough. I I think Paul Fry stays in some capacity, but. He could be traded. I think there could be a, a you know, you're not going to get a lot for him, but I think you could get something, you know, decently small, uh, a small for Paul Fry. A small fry. A small fry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so you, you think. I think that, Paul uh, Fry sticks around. Paul Fry sticks around. Connor Green's already gone. Yep. Um, Eric Hanhold. Gone. Gone. So that's one. I, again, Matt Harvey is going to elect free agency. So that's. Next well, up, uh, next up, we have Joey Cray Beal. If I believe that's how you say it, I there's no way Joey Cray Beal sticks no, around. Gone. There's just no way. He he, he was so bad. Brooks Crispy, uh, Crispy. Brooks <laughs> Brooks Crispy Cream. Brooks Crispy. Uh no, Brooks Crisky. Hey, hey there was is... a point where he still hadn't allowed an earned run. I, I think he stays. I I would say he probably stays, but he could be. If we get down to too many guys where we can't chop, then I think Crispy could be a guy. Isaac Matson. Yeah, I think he stays. They got him in the trade. I, I I think he stays. Okay. 
The rest of these guys, you're looking at them. Spencer Watkins. Spencer he, Watkins gone. He gone. Yeah, he's gone. So that's five. We've already gotten rid of five, right? All right, on to the catching staff. Pedro, probably going to be non-tendered, you would, you would think. Yeah, Pedro's gone. N- uh, Nick Chufo. I think they're going to keep him. I, I think they uh, want catching depth. Yeah, I, maybe. Uh, is he really? They could try to outright him. I don't think anyone's going to take him. Potentially. We'll, we'll, we'll put him down as, since he, it's potential. Okay. Uh, infield. I don't really think Richie Martin has a role in this team. I just don't. They really like him. They do. They, they do. really like I'm I'm going to say he stays. I'm going to say he stays. They really like him. I yeah. think he, I, I, w- I would not be upset if they got rid of him. I look at him no. and say, uh, I, w- I wasn't upset when they got rid of Hanser Alberto last year. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Hanser Alberto walked twice all season. I, I would say Hanser is probably two or three times better than Richie Martin, too. In, in no, man. Maybe, I, with the, maybe with the bat, but he, I doesn't, do not, he doesn't walk, he doesn't play good defense. I do not find Richie Martin to be a good baseball player. But that's He's just a me. Good, come on. He's a good baseball player. He's just not great. He, uh, he can... He is a sur- he is he is better than serviceable minor league depth. Yeah, minor league depth. That's what he, yeah. he's a four A player. He, he's a guy that you can put a triple A. He can play shortstop for you every day in triple A, and he can hit two eighty down there. He's he is, in my opinion, uh, the Ryan McKenna of the infield. See, I I, I disagree. I mean, so far the, this year when he came up to the majors, he had a five fifty five OPS, negative one WAR, and in the minors, I mean, I, he wasn't spectacular. He only hit, you know, he did obviously he didn't have much time. He only had thirty two games, but he hit two fourteen in the minors. I don't know. I'm not a big Richie Martin guy, and the defense, I get the value of that, but I think there's just, I think there's just better options there. Yeah, you you look at the outfielders. There's not a single one of them that you're getting rid of. Except for maybe DJ Stewart, but he's not even on the forty man right now because he's on the on the sixty day IL. I don't know. I, Anthony Santander. I just don't know if he sticks around for the entire offseason. I think there. I think it's a possible non tender, and I think possible trade. Yeah, yeah. It's hard, man, because because, because is Santander really that good? I don't, uh, I don't think uh, he uh, is. And the th- I think he's better than he played this past year. I think the ankle injury really slowed him up. Yeah, he started to come on strong in the second half, but again, didn't finish the season. Mm-hmm. He didn't play the last week of the season. Mm-hmm. That's three straight years that he didn't finish the season. Right. He could be. He could be a DFA candidate. Yeah. I'm going to put... God, for me, it's swallowing my pride because I said last year... I remember this, yeah. That I I feel like Anthony Sandante could be the best player to come out of this rebuild not named Adley Rutschman. Because, look, when he's healthy... He is very good. I don't care what people say. He's very good when he's healthy. To be completely fair to yourself, there was not a single Orioles... Reporter, podcaster, radio person, any of them who thought Anthony Santander was going to be a bad player in 2021. Yeah. So it, it was not, believe me, it was not just you. I thought the same thing. I thought Santander was going to be great pa- for the, s- for the s- Orioles this year. Switch hitter, gold glove finalist, right. power from both sides. The, the, he, and he had that swagger to him. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? I just he looked just, at him he, and, I, and I thought that he was, that, and he's only 26. I'm looking at him and I'm like, man, this guy. Has that it factor that yeah. he, he could be a, a huge part of this franchise, but he can't stay healthy. Even Keith Law said he was for real. Yeah. So he, he, <laughs> even he gets, Keith Law, he gets hurt every year. Now, right. now, look, if he goes someplace else, if he goes back to the now to the Cleveland, Cleveland Guardians, yeah. if he goes to the Cleveland Guardians and he ends up becoming what I think he can be, mm-hmm. more power to him. I'm going to put him down as the eighth guy. I'm going to put him down as the eighth guy. I agree. I agree. I, I just look. He has never stayed healthy. His rule five year, mm-hmm. he didn't debut till August because he was injured because because right. of the shoulder injury. Then he finally comes up 
in 2019, and he doesn't finish. He doesn't play the last month. Right. 2020, he misses the last 23 games, and then last year, and then this year, injured a lot of the year. Only at 400 at bats, and 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 didn't finish the year. How can you trust him? You can't. How can you trust him? You can't. I, I, I think now what they could do is they could offer him arbitration and then trade him. That's a, a very likely possibility. We, we've heard about the Marlins, that they had interest in him last year, mm-hmm. and the Marlins are apparently on the market for, for uh, outfielders again this year. So if Anthony Santander becomes a Marlin, I would not be very surprised. And if Anthony Santander goes down there and he hits 280 and 25 home runs, I wouldn't be surprised either because yeah. that, that seems like the kind of player he could be if he's just actually healthy. Crazy to me that he led the Orioles in walks in spring training and then walked basically ten times all year. Yeah, I. Just, you just, I, does, I guess it's just the level of competition he, is just so a, different. He's a, he's a free swinger, man. Just he such is. a free swinger. Uh, it, it's, it's crazy to me that we're putting him on our list of eight people that they that they could get rid of. It, it, it's just insane to me because it's just so hard for the Orioles to to. I guess when you look at what's coming, right. It, it, how, you how can't can, justify. It. How can the Orioles justify paying him arbitration when you can get a guy for two million dollars cheaper that's going to be way better, like Robert Newstrom, you or, know, or Kyle Stowers? Of course, Kyle Stowers is coming even later, right? So, I I, I don't think you can justify it. I yeah, just don't. You you really can't. Look, we got to get our third break. Uh, before we do. we do, just want to remind you for those of you who are fans of pro wrestling, we have a great show for you. Glenn Clark, Aaron, again, Glenn Clark, one of the hardest working guys in sports. Uh, Aaron Oster, Oster, uh, I always pronounce his name wrong. Aaron Oster, Brandon Linton, and SmackDown superstar former Turb AJ Francis bring you jobbing out every week. This week, AJ was back with us to discuss breaking the internet last week ahead of his debut this week on SmackDown. Find the show right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio or search jobbing out on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And I also want to remind you to join us every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. for the PressBox Fantasy Football Show with Ken Zalas. KZ will help you set your lineups and find deep sleepers that might still be on your waiver wide in order to help you win your matchups. It's all brought to you by CCBC, the Maryland Department of Transportation and Glory Days Grill. That's the Press Box Fantasy Football Show with Ken Zalas every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. Watch at Facebook.com slash Sports and listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. We have to get our final break. When we come back, take to rake. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is coming soon to Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Maryland, this is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Once again this season, PressBox's Project Game Day is the destination at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You want to talk about the game without all the nonsense, coach-speak, and fluff of your typical show? Tune into Project Game Day. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime, and he's once again joined postgame by your favorite analysts like the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Ken Zalas, and more. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen at PressBoxOnline.com Slash Radio. Pressbox's Project Game Day, every game day presented by Glory Days Grill and Window Nation. 
As one of only seven equestrian events of its kind, the inaugural Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill will give you unparalleled access to Olympic athletes in action. Come see the world's best horses and riders compete at the new Fair Hill Special Event Zone this October 14th through 17th in Elkton, Maryland. Don't miss the exhilarating cross-country competition, the elegance of dressage, and the precision of show jumping. There's something for the whole family, including great shopping, the Fresh Food Fest, Beer, Wine, and Spirit Showcase, and so much more. Come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, October 14th through 17th. Buy your tickets now at MarylandFiveStar.us with the number five. Every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. Don't miss a moment of Ravens football this season. Single game tickets are now available at BaltimoreRavens.com slash tickets. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you change lanes and brake suddenly in front of my tractor trailer, I won't be able to stop. Our lives can change forever. Trucks need room to stop. Don't cut it close. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Mike Ashley dives in on 20 seasons for Brenda Freeze as the head coach of the Maryland women's basketball team as she looks back but also looks forward. Plus, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from every D1 program in the area. And the very first Baltimore interview with Elijah Green, the son of former Raven Eric Green, who could well be the Orioles' pick with the number one spot in next year's MLB Draft. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. What's up, everybody? This is Taz Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Taz Bowser Show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on PressBox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Taz Bowser Show. Welcome back to the Bat Around with the Bat Around break music is what I'm calling it now. The yeah, Bat Around break music. It's been retired from Glenn Clark Radio. We got new music for the new era of Glenn I'm, Clark I'm, Radio, so that this is now lives home with us. I'm kind of displeased with that. This music is the best. Yeah, but now it's ours. I know that's true. Yeah, you, now, now it's now, ours. Now we get this, and you guys got your own thing now, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Go ahead, pay some bills, buddy. All right, uh, latest edition of Press Box is available now on the cover. Mike Ashley dives in on 20 seasons for Brenda Freeze as the head coach of the Maryland women's basketball team. As she looks back, but also looks forward. Plus, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from every D1 program in the area. And the first Baltimore interview with Elijah Green, the son of former Raven Eric Green, who could well be the Orioles' pick with the number one spot in next year's MLB draft. Press Box, it's available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. And make sure to make the most out of every day at a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out BioToyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Paul, take the rig time. It is take the rig time. I'm just finishing up 
Uh, Mookie Betts. I, I, I think here. you. I think you won this week uh, based I, on my guess. I think I. I think I won as well. Uh, but you know we're we're gonna. Uh, we're gonna figure this out. We're gonna we're we're gonna figure this out here. Um, can you turn me up just a little bit? Just a little bit. Thank you, sir. We're good to go. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much. Um, so let's see here. I'm just figuring out Mookie's slugging percentage real quick. He had four hits. One of them was a double. So I think his slugging percentage was 333, Eesh. if I'm not mistaken, because he had that's three bad. singles. Yeah, it's five for 15. It's, it's 333, which might be why the Dodgers are down in a, in a 3-2 series hole yeah. because Mookie hasn't. I mean, it's, he hasn't been terrible. No, but he hasn't been Mookie bad. No. You know, and then his OPS is. Uh, yeah, I, I, I got you. Got to remind me, who did you pick this week? I took JD Martinez and Freddie Freeman. Oh yeah, the two guys I wanted. That's right. Yeah, and you took yeah. KK Hernandez and Mookie Betts. JD Martinez four for fourteen, a double, two home runs, three walks, one hit by pitch, six RBIs. That's a two eighty six, four forty four, seven eighty six slash line. With Good a week with a twelve thirty OPS. Yeah, Freddie Freeman. It started out really. Ba- it started out really bad mm-hmm. for Freddie. He struck out in seven straight at bats to, to start the uh, the um, take the take and, uh, the week. To, to start the NLCS. He struck out in seven straight at bats. Uh, six for twenty, a double, two home runs, four RBIs, two walks. That's a 300, 364, 650 slash line, mm-hmm. and a ten fourteen OPS. Zach took Kike Hernandez. Started hot, finished cold. Yeah, six for twenty one, a home run, one RBI, two eighty six. Um, 286, he didn't walk. Uh, his slash line, 286, 286, 429 with a 715 OPS. Mookie Betts, 4 for 15, Eesh. a double, an RBI, 4 walks, 267, 421, 333, slash line with a 754 OPS. I won. Yep. Yeah, I won. Um, it, which, that's that's cool, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it may be for, for one of us in the room. Yeah, it, it, I, I won, which means I get to pick first this week since... Do you want to pick two players again, or is it basically because... It, wh- I think we should do one now, yeah, that, I, I, based I, on the fact that we're getting so low on teams. It's it's hard, though, because you don't know who's going to win that series. We're, I'm going to assume that the Braves are going to be able to hold on this year. Okay. That they're going to be able to hold on. I can't take Freddie Freeman. I'm going to take Alex... R- no, 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 no. Because we know the Astros are there. Who are you about to pick? I was going to take... I meant to say Austin Riley. Okay. Um, But no, I'm not going to take Austin Riley, because we know the Astros are there... I'm going back to the well, Jordan Alvarez. Okay. I'm going to take Jordan Alvarez. So you get you get a pick now. Um, wow, this is tough. I mean, there's there's a lot of good options as usual, but Jose Altuve is going to be my guy. I think Altuve is a playoff, usually a playoff hero, and I just have a lot of confidence in him. Uh, Carlos Correa is another one. I'm I'm kind of going back and forth between them, but I'm I'm gonna take Altuve. I almost took Correa. Okay, but Alvarez is playing on another level right now. He is playing on another level. He is. So, I, Altuve always shows up in the playoffs, though. He always does. Yeah. I, I have I have a feeling he's gonna have a big World Series. I'm looking at it, and no matter who they play, the Astros are gonna go up against a tough lefty. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm locked in. Am I locked in? You can do whatever you want. You're, you still have time. I'm going to change my pick to Carlos Correa. Okay. That's what I wanted to take. I, I, I'm looking at it. No matter who they face, he's going to have to face a tough lefty. Correa versus Altuve. It's a good I, matchup. I'm, I'm going Carlos Correa. Okay. Future uh, future Yankee, Carlos Correa. Yeah, because to be... <laughs> I don't want to say that. To, to be perfectly honest, they just... 
the Red Sox pitching wasn't that good. No. It just wasn't that good. That was the fault all along. Yeah, and that's why they lost. And I'm going to go back real quick, if I can. I was saying all year that the Red Sox, the pitching was just not that good. And you, you expect Chris Sale to come back and be the old Chris Sale. He wasn't, shocker, because that just that's so uncommon that he, he was fine. Like He wasn't incredible, but he had that one game where he gave up, what, six earned, I believe it was. So... I don't know. Chris Sale was just not the the Chris Sale of old in playoffs. And again, because he he barely had any time to come back from the injury. That was the problem for the Red Sox. So I'm looking at it, and Alvarez homered off a sale. He did? He he doubled off a sale. And then he homered again in a later... No, he only hit the one home run. But he he had another double. um, Rough series for Chris Sale. Yeah. That was in in the one game. Mm -hmm. Now, the one where Sale pitched really well. Was this... uh, I think that was... What game was that? Uh, I mm, I have it in my head, but I don't know the exact number. I don't want to say the wrong one either. It may have been game one. I think you're locked in on Correa. We'll, we'll just go with Correa. You're good. You're good. You got, yeah, yeah. You got Correa. You're, you're gonna lock me into Correa. I, I, I'm gonna lock you in at this point. I think we need to make our we need to make our decision. So Altuve versus Correa. That's the that's yeah the, the yeah 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 yeah, yeah 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 he. he You'll, yeah. be, you'll be fine. Correa's good. Car- Carlos Correa is a good player, and he always shows up in the he, playoffs. He does. Yeah. Carlos Correa versus H- Jose Altuve locked in. Love it. Ravens, man. Yeah. yeah. What they did last week, man. Did anybody see that coming? No one saw that coming. 34 to 6. They no hold one. the charges to 208 yards of total, of total offense. Yeah. Six days after getting torched. By Carson Wentz in the Indianapolis Colts. And mm-hmm. the Avery had a nice bounce back game. Marlon he Humphrey did. played his best game of the year. He did. Deshaun Elliott played the best game of his Ooh, career. Yes. Jo- uh, Josh Bynes was a, was a solidifying force. Time and time again, the Ravens look to Josh Bynes to fix the linebacking core. I don't know what it is, but he just does. He yeah. just does. He's just a veteran a veteran linebacker knows who knows the, the Ravens system. Yep. You know, yep. it, it's just... It, it, he's not Ray Lewis. I mean, nobody is, right? Sure. But he he he's not. He's pa- not I, Patrick uh, Patrick Wilson. I, he's not even a top fifteen linebacker in the game. But he just knows the Ravens system, and he plays hard, and he he's got that veteran presence where he knows where to be all the time. He knows what his he knows how to play his position so well because of how long he's been around. And you know, he played for the Bengals last year. I think he was their third leading tackler. Um, so he gets a little bit of a revenge game this week too. And Patrick Queen, he's really struggled. Malik Harrison, he's really struggled. So it's great to have a solidifying force in that. By the way, I court. said I said Patrick Wilson. I meant Patrick Willis. I'm like, okay, yeah, that I, I was like, that I, doesn't yeah, sound yeah, right. 40, Forty Nineers Wilson. legend Patrick yeah, Wilson. Yeah. Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. <laughs> Um, no, man. Like, like I was shocked. I was shocked Me last too. week to see the defense play that well. Uh, Lamar wasn't a superhero because he didn't need to be. He didn't need to be. They, right. r- they ran for 187 yards. They played a very conservative offensive game. They barely took any shots, and I was completely fine with it. Devontae Freeman looked like Devontae Freeman he from looks, five years he ago. He looks good. You he know, looks he, good. He hit the holes with authority. He mm-hmm. he beat he beat guys around the around the outside. Uh. He was clipping off almost six yards a carry. Mm-hmm. He scored the touchdown. Uh, Murray scored a touchdown, but he's out this week. Bell scored a touchdown. Yes. It's looking like you're going to have the three-headed monster, the three-headed monster of uh, Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman, and Tyson Williams yep. this week going up against a better run defense. The Bengals have a better run defense. I really don't see Tyson getting too many carries. It seems yeah. like they've just kind of turned away from him as a guy that they really trust. So they, uh, From what I'm hearing, he runs timidly. He now. does, apparently. Yeah. That's that's the word. And not a great blocker. Right. And, so, uh, But a guy a guy like Le'Veon Bell, if he gets going, he can change everything. If he, if he just gets going... Does he have that juice left? 
I feel like at least as a pass catcher out of the backfield, there's so many things you can utilize with Le'Veon Bell. He's just that good at catching the football. I made a trade this week. I traded Melvin Gordon to my buddy for Chase Edmonds and uh, Latavius Murray. I feel like it's not a terrible trade because Melvin Gordon's in the timeshare. He's okay. And I I got two running backs for one who are both in timeshares as well. Uh, Even though Murray's hurt. so I, I want to say, I, I'm blanking on the running back's name for, for the Broncos right now, but Javante, uh, Javante, Javante Williams. Williams is his name, yeah. So he's looked great. I mean, he looked great against the Browns on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much Melvin Gordon really is going to be a factor, but I, I think that I, you look at what these teams do. Uh, you know, the Ravens, they run the ball a lot. When Latavius Murray comes back, he's going to be, a, you know, obviously one of the, the best, uh, you know, one of looking, the guys. One of the guys that they trust the in the he, running he, game. He's going to score a lot of touchdowns. That's the word I'm looking for. He's going to score a lot, and I, I don't think that's a bad trade at all. Do you think that the Ravens trade for a running back no. or a tackle during the bye week? A tackle, maybe. Maybe. Um, a running back, I don't. I don't think yeah. they. I don't think they trade for. I, I think they have a lot of confidence in Bell and Freeman, and uh, especially Murray when he comes back. I really think they like Murray a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I like him a lot. Uh, I I think a linebacker would make a lot of sense to make a trade for. I it would. Really, it, it, just how many people are willing to get are, are willing to part with quality players? Yeah, I mean you you have to look to a team who's really bad. Maybe Miles Jack from from the Jaguars. I he's not he's obviously a bit past his prime of where he was two years three years ago. But I don't know. That's My, a good linebacker. Miles I, Jack I, I, might make sense. Yeah, I just don't. What what are the Jags going to ask for? I don't know. The Jags don't seem to really make uh, smart moves, so I'm not really confident that the Jags are going to are going to fleece the Ravens on any deal. I just can't imagine them doing that. Well, let's look at this matchup against the Bengals. Now, yep. look, the Bengals are four and two, but their best wins over the Vikings. Uh, they lost to the Bears. Uh, they not. They lost to the Bears, right? I would have to check on that. I, real yeah, quick. I, I believe they lost to the Bears. They're they lost. Th- they lost to the Packers. Um, their wins. They have wins over the Steelers, the Jags. Um, didn't they beat the Jets too? Well, that was they be, beat that, the they beat the Lions. Okay, that's uh, not surprising there. I it, look the, the hype for the Bengals is a little bit weird to me. I don't really see them as a, I, I'm not worried about this game in the slightest, and it could be that could be a trap game for the Ravens. But they're not really the best four and two team at all. I think the Chargers are the best four and two team by a, a large large margin. I think the four and two Chargers are just a different animal than the four and two. Bengals, and I just have no... I, I'm really not nervous about this at all. I, I don't think Joe Burrow is going to come in and beat Lamar. I just do not see well, that happening. Uh, people think it, it could be potentially a trap game for the Ravens. Uh, Bart Scott seems to think that the, he said... I, I'm, I'm, he dumb, said I'm done listening to Bart Scott. The, the Ravens' rival is the Steelers. They won't get up for this game. It's their first division game for first right. place in division heading into their bye. They're, they're not going to get up for this game. They're getting up for every game at this yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. Lamar Jackson gets up for... Gets up for, for a game on a blacktop on a Saturday right. in, <laughs> exactly. in June down in Florida. Bart Scott uh, also said that Hollywood Brown wouldn't start over Emmanuel Sanders. So there are some things that Bart Scott says that yeah, are not exactly, yeah, not but, exactly factual. But, but Brown did nothing to help his calls this past week. He dropped a touchdown he did, pass. He did. Uh, he had three catches for like 18 yards, something like that. He, yeah, it wasn't. Not, he's still on, on pace to break, you know, uh, break a thousand yards by a good margin, though. Yeah. Well, I would have hoped that he would have gone out and showed out. After after the back Fair and enough. forth with, with, Fair with enough. Bart Scott. But yeah, the, the, the Bengals' best win is over the Vikings. They lost to the Bears. They beat the Steelers, lo- beat the Jags, lost to the Packers in a game that it was close. But if, if 
Crosby hits hits his kicks, it's not close. Right. He missed like three game winning field goals yeah. until he made the, the fourth one. Right. And the Bengals then missed one in overtime. Right. Uh, and then he beat the Lions because everybody beats the Lions. They're 0 6. Right. Uh, look, four and two, but it's a it's a four and two with an asterisk because they've exactly. played they, they've played I think I I saw they've played the second easy schedule in football right. to this through the first six right. weeks. Ravens are a different animal. They they, they, they they really are, even with all the guys on the IR and yeah. Ronnie Stanley out for the year now. He's going to have surgery. Bozeman's going to play. Murray's going to be out. Yeah. Uh, I still think that the Ravens win this game. Maybe not handily because the Bengals are going to show up. And look, the Bengals have Jamar Chase and they have Tyler Boyd mm-hmm. and they they have Joe Mixon who's having a great year. Uh, Joe Burrow is a solidifying force for them. Like Josh Bynes is for the Ravens defense. Joe Burrow. Yeah. It's amazing to me what a good quarterback can change change your team into. Like like, yeah. Four four and two. Playing some patchy teams, but they still won four games. Yeah, you know right. it's other it, it, first six. You play who's on your schedule. You you can't you can't sure you know be faulted for playing who's on your schedule. I still think the Ravens win this game. Their their offense is going to need to score more. I think. Um, I'll, I'll let you pick first. 37-20. Baltimore. Baltimore. I think it's be closer. Okay. I think it's going to be closer. I'm going to go 30, 31-24 okay. Ravens. Uh, I think it's going to be close at the half, and the Ravens will pull away in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so could happen. I, I I just don't really – I'm not – there is nothing about what the Bengals have done this year that tells me that they are a team that's going to come in and beat the Ravens. But the problem with the Ravens is that they've got to not, you know, not relax and think of this like they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. You've got to think of this as you're playing it's the It's for first place in the division. It's for first place. If you win this game, you have a two-game lead in the division mm-hmm. after week, through week seven yeah. uh, going into your bye. It's a, it's It's – not a must win, but it sets you up it's, really it's, nicely, especially with the yeah. tough stretch you have coming up after the bye. Not going to enjoy that. Yeah, but the the it, Ravens realistically could and should get to 8-1, and one and then they have a gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Although, the Browns are beat up. I don't really... I See, look, I, it, 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 I, I know this was said on the radio this week. I can't remember where it was, but someone said Baker Mayfield is a quarterback that can lead the Browns to the playoffs but not win them a Super Bowl. And I also think of it as Baker Mayfield as a team that er, Baker Mayfield is a quarterback that can win the Browns games against mediocre teams, but not teams like the Ravens. I just don't think Baker Mayfield is is that good of a quarterback. Um, I think he has the talent to be, but his head doesn't lead him to the right decisions. And I'm not scared of the Browns. I'm just not. Um, I, don't I don't know. I they, I mean, they just I, I know they're, I'm they're less, beat up everywhere. I'm less scared of the Browns now than I was at the beginning of the year. Me the, too. Ta- the talent that they have at the, in, on their roster, they mm-hmm. should be a lot better. Odell Beckham can't even catch a pass. He the, the, the guy looks like a completely different player than he was three years ago. Yeah, the, the, oh, they should be better than they are mm-hmm. uh, based on what you see on that roster. Baker Mayfield, sir, I think he's going to have to have season-ending shoulder surgery. I mean, it's it's the smartest thing for him. If he wants to come back healthy next year, he, yeah. he's got to just say, "I look, this is not my year. I'm done. He's He's got, like, what, like three different injuries going on in his shoulder at the current moment? He dislocated it. He has a partially torn labrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, There's one other. Asked him, he said it feels like S. Didn't, didn't someone say it was, it was broken? I thought someone said he, his shoulder was actually physically broken. But I could be wrong on that. Maybe it is. It might be wait, wait, when yeah. he when he got hit last week mm-hmm. and hit. If did you see the way his arm bent? Oh, yeah, it was horrible. It was awful. It was horrible. It was awful. I, I don't know how he how he stayed in the game. And all of this because he tried to make a tackle on, on an interception he threw. Yeah. So it's just which kinda, is kind it, of hysterical. It, it's a little bit. Well, it's, I wouldn't call it funny because I don't want to see a guy get injured. I just it's a little bit. Um, 
it's I'm I'm trying to look for the right word for it, but it's it's kind of like poetic in a way that yes, that, that you, poetic. Poetic it's, it's, is is the word was the for wrong it. Word. It's 100 poetic. Yeah. That Baker Mayfield <laughs> because he threw an interception and had to tackle the defender. Ironic is a great word. For yeah, it too. It, it, like because that's what Baker Mayfield does. Why would right? you Why would you try? You're told as a quarterback, every coach says, do not try to make tackles. Lamar, if you see him throw an interception, he just kind of runs away. He doesn't actually try to make the tackle because you don't want to risk that. And Baker Mayfield lands on his shoulder. It's just bad decision. Yeah, it's like Bryce Harper in the beginning of his career. I don't know any other way to play. Well, you better because it's going to cost you millions. Yep. Um, Case Keenum, though, man, four years ago he led the Vikings to a 13-3 record. Yeah, we were talking about that on Thursday. He's, he's not He's not a bad he's quarterback. Not, he's not a bad quarterback. No. You know what I mean? He. He's not going to – I don't think he's going to do something that's going to lose you a game. But he's definitely capable of beating teams that are, are just like Baker Mayfield. He's not, he's not great. He doesn't do anything like spectacularly, but he can come in and beat a team that you'd be surprised, but he's not going to lead them to the Super Bowl. Yeah. He's just let, not. let me say something real quick. And maybe this is going to sound awful. Uh-oh. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't say it. Somebody says, no, no, just hear me out. Somebody on Twitter said, like him or not, you hate to see a young player like Baker Mayfield go down with an injury. I don't care that Baker Mayfield got hurt. Uh, like, like, why am I supposed to care? Why am I supposed to hate to see that? Like, do I want people to get injured? No. But Baker Mayfield breaking his shoulder, tearing his labrum, it doesn't mean that he's dead. It's not life al- it's not, <laughs> it does not mean that he's dead. It, That's it's right. not life altering. His injury is not life threatening. He he's still going to make his millions. He's still going to get a big pay payday to be the quarterback of somebody whether it's the Browns or another team. He's still going to get paid a ton of money. Mm-hmm. His career is not over. His no. season might be. Why do I have to care? Why do I have to say you never want to see it? I don't care that Baker Mayfield got hurt. One way or the other. When Ben Roethlisberger hurt his knee, I don't care. Why do I need to care that you got hurt? Why do I need to say I I I hate to see it? You hate to see it. Uh, no, I don't hate to see it. I don't hate to see that that a rival quarterback got hurt. I don't wish ill will upon him. But like I said, can Baker Mayfield still get out of bed and hang out with his beautiful wife and live in his fancy house and eat his fancy food? Make progressive commercials. Make progressive commercials. Is it progressive? It might be progressive. I think it might be Geico. Is it Geico? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I think it's Sh- Geico. Shows how much people actually pay attention but, right. to the But, like, does Baker Mayfield still have more money than God? A- and, like, 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 he hurt his arm. I don't care that he hurt his arm. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'm rooting for him to get hurt. But when he gets hurt, I'm not upset about it. Why, why do I need to be upset about it? I, I feel nothing. As far as that's concerned, I, 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 if if anything, I'm like, hey, that means the Ravens have a better chance to win to win the division. A, a, am I supposed to care? Like, is that awful of me? Like, his life is no different. He I, just can't throw a football for a few weeks. I guess the way I look at it is, it's a long and it probably painful recovery process for a guy who has you know a lot of passion, and it kind of takes. I, it, it's it's. It's not being able to play with something you love. Obviously, football is what Baker Mayfield loves. Like, for example, if I wasn't allowed to play golf for, uh, you know, a month, I'd probably be pretty upset about it. I guess you just kind of feel bad for people when they're not allowed to do what they're passionate about. Boo-hoo. Cry into your, into your $100 bills, man. Like, Well, he probably is. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, I separated my AC joint playing pickup football mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving two years ago. My AC joint, my, my collarbone is an inch Above where it's supposed That's to be, it's probably it, not good. No, it's fine. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's probably not good. It's it's healed. The doctors told me it was it was perfectly fine. I had nice. full mobility, no go. no issues. Baker Mayfield didn't give a crap 
that I hurt my that I that I separated my AC. Okay, uh, fair enough. He didn't give a way. crap. If somebody said, "Oh, Paul Valley over there in Baltimore hurt his AC joint," he goes, "He go, so yeah." I, if you if again, I don't wish injuries upon anybody. If the Ravens player gets hurt, I care. That's my team. If Aaron Rodgers goes out tomorrow and throw and throws his arm out of the socket and has to and the season ends, he's on my fantasy team. I care because of that, but I don't care. Like I, I don't care. You got people get hurt. Did you get into a car accident, get mangled, and, or die? No. If that happened, I would care. It would break my heart. But Baker Mayfield hurting his shoulder. Nothing. I want to hear Glenn's opinion on this. It you, does you nothing sh- for me. You should bring this up on Monday, and uh, I'd like to hear Glenn's opinion on this. This would be I, a really, I, really interesting topic. I, I've thought, I've thought about bringing it up. I was ho- going to try and save it for the the because, like, it just struck me as when, when this dude and he's a Ravens guy. He, he writes for a fantasy. Uh, he writes for some NFL website. Um, I, his name is Michael Telford. He um oh yeah late, late round corner I think is what his mm-hmm. what his name is on on Twitter and there's nothing against the guy but he put down whether you like him or not you have to feel bad you don't want to see anybody any young player go down with an injury I don't want to see it but when it happens I don't care like, like like whatever man you're gonna heal up you'll be fine now if the injury that happened to him was like what happened to Teddy Bridgewater or Dak Prescott mm-hmm. something oh, like yeah. that yeah. or Ronnie Stanley with 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 the compound fracture yeah. Yeah, that sucks. That could be life altering. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield's shoulder is not life altering. Oh man, you have to miss a season. It happens, bro. You'll be all right. I promise you, you'll be all right. It's your non throwing. I don't care. Don't care. All right. All, all right. right. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks for letting me rant. I appreciate it. Thanks Guys, for coming to Paul's TED Talk. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for coming. In, thanks for tuning into the bat around here at Press Box Sports. Thanks for watching us at Facebook.com/slash Press Box Sports or listening at Press Box Sports. Pressboxonline.com slash radio. You can do that every week. You can uh, hear the bat around. Next week, I'm going to try. We tried to get an Astros writer this week. It just didn't work out. The Astros are in the World Series now. Um, game four would probably be, I believe, next Saturday. So they're still going to be playing yeah. next Saturday. I'm going to yeah. try and get somebody from the Astros on this show next week. I'm hoping it's the Braves. Maybe we'll have Leo Mazzoni back. I don't know. Why not, honestly? Why yeah, not? <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe I've tried to get Brian Jordan. I can't get in touch with him either. But uh, we're going to try. We're going to try and get you a couple of guests. Um, from the World Series teams next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. See ya!